Phoenix Down Radio is on the air. Welcome everybody to Phoenix Down Radio, episode number 110. I'm your host Klaus Nightbringer, and joining me this week we have uh, Sarah Timono. Sarah, how's it going? Hey, it's going good. I see you're really uh, into the whole holiday festivities right now. Mm-hmm. I've got my cute choir hat, I Christmas goose, which you're, will not be eaten, but will instead be terrible to people. You're playing Christmas mobile games on your tombstone. Yeah. Dude, holiday fests, they give away a whole bunch of stuff yeah. so that you'll get into it and then buy to roll even more. Yeah, you're not wrong. Living the dream. <laughs> We also have a Talas Marvelous. Talas, thank you so much for joining us again. How are you? Hey, hey I'm doing good. Good to see everybody. Yes, and uh, because this will be the only episode, or the last episode before Christmas, happy holidays, everybody. Happy Woo! holidays for those who celebrate, and whatever you celebrate from all of us. Yes. I I mean, if we're doing the traditional 12 days, uh, starting from the 25th and going to Epiphany, then we've got like another one in us. Well, I mean, we the next episode in two weeks will actually be still during uh, the uh, Starlight Celebration in-game. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's right. It will be between those two evil holidays. Uh, in the morning, and that way we could have breakfast epiphanies. <sighs> okay, you make me sigh and be sad. I make you sigh and be sad. No, I'm That's not sad, works. though. I'm I'm laughing, though. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> Wasn't sure if that one would land. I am no, pleased. I, I knew exactly where you were going. <sighs> Straight to hell. <laughs> but, yeah. Thank God. <sighs> yeah. Uh, all right. So, um, as, as we said uh, last episode, which was last week, we are actually back on our regular schedule. Our regular schedule. How's that? I can talk today. Um, we have a regular schedule? Yeah, well, as regular <laughs> as we can be. Fair. Uh, so we are. It is us. Next episode is two weeks from now and then two weeks, so, so on and so forth. We're back to normal. As normal as we can be. As normal as you're going to get. Yeah. So what have you guys been up to the last... Uh, Seven days. Um, more submersible stuff. Uh, leveling some random jobs. Uh, did a whole bunch of uh, cleared out my dragon skin mask because I was like, okay, I need to buy the Moogle Tombstone stuff, but I want to see if I get those orchestrian rolls first before I do. Fair enough. Spender got to the last chamber on uh, Uznair, like the two door version, on his first try. Very nice. That's I mean, it was fun. real. It was really nice. Everyone got plenty of gill and whatnot. Woohoo! So I can I can only be so upset. Love you. <laughs> no, I one of my amazing friends just walked over and put two slices of pizza next to me. Aww. Oh, hi, amazing friend. Thank you for feeding him. And and you thought he was talking to you, Sarah. That's what's. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love you too, Sarah, but in a very different. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, I'm slightly confused, but let's just roll with it. Yes. And aside from just getting pizza, what have you been up to, Talas? Um, sorry, the pizza is distracting. So <laughs> I, uh, I decided out of sheer confusion and a moment of terrible decisions that I wanted to level Blue Mage. So an hour later, I was level 57, 
and I had like no skills. It was great. <laughs> so now I'm trying to find all of the spells all over the world. Well, it you... is one of the easiest jobs to level. Holy crap! Yeah, it's super fast to level. But I mean, have you uh, gone through some of the dungeons to get the uh, the guaranteed skills? A couple of them, yeah. Um, they're guaranteed if you're synced. They're not guaranteed if you're unsynced. Oh, really? Yes. So just a heads up for that. That being said, how long does it take to bum rush the first boss or the mob after the first boss in Orimvale? Two and a half minutes. Yeah, most of which is right. wait, and most of which was waiting for your sprint. Yeah, and then you just right. as soon as you're done, it clicks as soon as that monster falls, and you can leave. You don't have to do the rest of the dungeon. That's true. So like, oh, it didn't work. Do it again. Oh, it didn't work. Do it again. It's going to be faster to just bum rush in over and over again. And I think so, that's what a lot of times we did. So we are doing that. Um, but I've got a few skills. I've got some gear. And I was like, okay, this is kind of neat. I actually, I'm not a huge fan of casting classes, but this isn't too bad. And then a friend of mine was like, well, you played a caster in WoW. Like, what happened? Why did you decide to stop casting? I was like, because soloing as a mage is a nightmare. Soloing as a black mage is a nightmare. And they're like, well, you do know that Arcanist and Summoner is basically just Warlock, right? And I was like, it's what? And so I've been doubling <laughs> Arcanist for a while. <laughs> Because uh, I was like, oh, crap, I somehow never clicked in that in my brain. Uh, so fun fact, I unlocked. Now, mind you, I have a, I have a legacy tattoo. This is my second character. This has made it all the way through Heaven's Word, and I decided to keep this one playing forward. I've got like two and a half weeks of playtime. I've played a ton of this game. I unlocked Scholar for the very first time on Thursday. Congratulations. I, I managed part of me didn't want to unlock it just so I could always have one class in the game that I'd never unlocked like an ARR class that I just never unlocked eh, that feels overrated at this point yeah so I went ahead and did that um, so that's all said and done but had a blast leveling those two um, did my weekly stuff uh, and then uh, preparing for an interview next Tuesday that might change my life. So that'll be exciting. Ooh. I feel like that happens to you a lot. It does. It really does. This one is uh, a follow-up to the one from September that I got picked seventh out of six. Oh. Ooh. And they were like, if somebody can't buy their ticket, you can go. And I was like, well, that's super irritating. Everybody bought their tickets, which is great for them. And I'm really happy they got to go. This time they're like, hey, if you do get selected... You know, you have to pay for lodging this time. And I was like, oh, well, that's unfortunate. Lodging was free last time. Like, yeah, this time it's, you know, it's 10 weeks of lodging. And I was like, ugh, that's going to suck. And they go, and it's $400. And I was like, all right, it's <laughs> cheaper yeah. than my rent. Okay, I'm out. $400 so, for 10 weeks, that's it? Yes. I mean, I'm sharing a room with somebody and I'm living in the facility that I'm doing all the TEFL schooling in. But who the heck cares? Yeah. So that is a thing that is happening. Um so we shall see what happens. Hopefully I will have good news. We wish you the, the best of luck. Awesome. Thank you. As for me, I worked too goddamn much. I had to fix my car. Well, actually, I had to, I had him, I took it to the garage to have him fix it. I had to put new struts on the back. Um, yeah. it, it was, it was needed. It, I've needed it since I got the car, but uh, it just got worse and worse. It was like, well, I need to do it now. Just do coilovers. Well, I just got Dude. quick struts, so. Okay. 
you don't need coilovers for your car. <laughs> no, I my I have a POS. It didn't. It's not like it had air ride or anything like that. It was just basic, you know, inexpensive. Get it back so that so the car is not like sagging in the back and it rides nice now. So we're good there. Other than that, that's, I go ahead. I was gonna say that's good. Yeah, a car that rides good is something good to have. Other than that, I finished leveling Paladin now, so that's 80. Um, started up on uh, Dragoon again, so that's my last 70 job. And then I'm going to have to start leveling up some others. I was going to level up uh, um, Blue. How about, how about Thaumaturge? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> anyway... Uh, we was, tried. <laughs> was gonna level up yeah. blue, but I was trying to grab the quest. I was like, "Well, I haven't beaten uh, Azul Magia yet, so I'm gonna oh, hold off on that." Oh, you got to fifty, and now that it's not optional, you have to do it. Yep. But so, how did you g get past fifty? Then have you beaten Azul Magia? You can level to sixty, dude. Oh, you can. Yeah, you just you just can't, can't do that other bonus content. Oh, you can't okay. do any of the other content. Gotcha, gotcha. You just you can level all the way to sixty. I'm, I think I'm fifty eight, like, maybe sixty already. All you, right, you could go to from uh, one to sixty, just water cannoning everything and doing nothing else. So and what you fun is get that? All that? You need to at least do uh, uh, throw herring. Yep, throw a fish. Okay, but the game doesn't require that. That's just like basic human decency that is the <laughs> best way to power level because it's an instant cast and it's just fun to, to see a, a fish fly out of your mouth <laughs> you just i love all the art that you see of like quistus using bad breath and stuff and you're just like oh i didn't want to think about that <laughs> blue mages are kind of gross all but they're right. also fun um but other than that uh, that's been what i've been up to um, if you guys want to share what you guys have been up to, you can always uh, hit us up on Twitter at PHXDN Radio. You can email us podcast at phoenixradio.com. Um, or you can hit us up on our Discord server, um, which you can find out at our website, phoenixstarradio.com. All right. So let's talk a little bit, little bit of game and community news. So, who caught the, uh, the game awards this week? Uh, I saw bits and pieces of them. I, by which I mean I mostly watched the bit with the Muppets and the Goose. Oh my god, that was hilarious. The Muppets was good. Yes, that was a very good part. There were a lot of other parts that were not so good. So yeah. Like what, Klaus? Well, let's, well there were, Final Fantasy was represented at the Game Awards. Like, for instance, there was a brand new Final Fantasy VII Remake trailer. And that was actually pretty good. It was really, really, really good. I <laughs> I saw it. I tweeted at John. I was like, that was really cool. He's like, I know. I loved that scene. Yeah. <laughs> and Final Fantasy XIV was up for three awards. Um, best community support, best role-playing game, and best ongoing game. They didn't win any of them. Nope. Yeah. I have trouble getting too upset about the best RPG because I've watched a bit of Disco Elysium and oh my god, the writing on that is incredible. I mean, like it's reasonable competition yeah. for an indie game. They did amazing. They won four awards this year, so good on them. I mean, that's it's awesome. It's open world. It's customizable. There's a lot of skills. Like it's quality. Uh, okay, sure, I'll give you and, that. And, and the way that you interact with it, all the various skills being like the voices in your head. Like okay, there's some <laughs> brilliant framing in this. Plus the whereas. 
Whereas 14 is like, well, is it 14 or Realm Reborn or is it Heavensward or is it Shadowbringers? I'm assuming they meant Shadowbringers, but I wish they would have uh, made that distinction. Specified it, yeah. Because if it's Shadowbringers versus Disco, eh, okay, I see where we're at. It'd be closer, maybe. Some of them. Um, and then we, uh, for best uh, community supports, we lost out to Destiny 2. What does best community support even mean, anyway? The, the, uh, the community reps, um, how they handle uh, issues, um, the openness of uh, for okay. changes. Uh, so quote, it's the best support being given to the community. Correct. Got it. You know, it would be okay. like, you know, like the community, community reps here, uh, the support teams. You know, they, they had just done that... Uh, trial on facebook and twitter for uh uh se support here in na at least right. you know that that kind of thing um but talas was saying that the uh the destiny 2 team is actually pretty good the d2 team is amazing they're very much on top of it they're there because they love the game the work environment and the community within the bungie studio is extremely positive from all of my friends that have worked there so noting that I am biased from friends that have worked there and people in the community team being people that were on my teams at Nintendo, it's, they do a lot of really good work and they put a lot of effort in. Where if you look yeah. at the 14 community, you see Denmo, Fusion, guys like us. Well, no, that's not, the, that's not what they're that's, talking about. Exactly. Can I finish the sentence oh, though? Sorry. So when you look at Final Fantasy 14, you're seeing the content creator's that are us when you look for destiny 2 you realize that oh this content creator that's posting silly memes is actually a product designer is actually a writer is actually an audio engineer Mm. and they work for bungie so their community support isn't just three or four people that do a lot it's the entire company doing stuff and i do remember like there were several times where we talked to folks of the community uh like when we had uh Totally blanking on her name. I Not Dancing Shannon. Fighter. Shannon. Uh, where it is... Uh, they love to talk about that stuff, but then there's things that they kind of have their hands tied on being able to talk or interact about. Mm-hmm. And it feels like uh, Square Enix maybe keeps a little bit of a tighter leash than Bungie does. But For I mean, sure. The, the fact that uh, 14 has so many live letters and they do so many panels at these different uh, events. I mean, that's... Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, they got nominated. They're doing something right yeah. here. So, I mean... so. Like I said, it was it's a toss up. I mean, we're probably very, very um, biased for fourteen. So yeah, a little bit, yeah. But the one that that actually got a lot of people upset, not just us. Um, they were also nominated for best ongoing game, and that went to Fortnite. I that I, one was yeah. <sighs> Now get There's this. been a massive drop off in the number of people playing it uh, at the library. I can tell you that much. Now here's the biggest thing that 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 is just just irks me. Um, during the game awards, they announced there was going to be a special event today um, in Fortnite where they were going to show off um, a new uh, clip for the uh, the the last Star Wars movie. And that anybody who's in the game is going to be able to get some free items, some really cool stuff that's Star Wars themed and yada, yada, yada. Well, most of the people couldn't get in the game. Got a hammered. It was absolutely insane. Now, so when the people fun- that I was seeing bitching were not like 14 players being like, oh, no, we got snubbed and not 
you know, Fortnite players being like, our game was good. What's going on? It was that gray area of everybody else going, yeah, Fortnite won anything. Yeah. It was very, very strange. Yeah. People, there was a lot of people, not just 14 that were like, what the heck's going on here? I um, do wonder what criteria they use for, uh, the voting or the judgments or things like that. I've often, like, there was one where I was just thinking about how best community support, okay, what does that even entail? And I wonder if there's, like, some facet by which they considered Fortnite is doing way better, even though we see a bunch of different things going on there. Rory, I was going to make the joke that is how much money that they gave to the judges, but uh, that probably it. <laughs> um, it was. We're sorry, but that comment is a little bit too on the nose. <laughs> um, it was ten percent uh, community vote, um, and then ninety percent went to the judges. So mm. I'm not sure what criteria they end up using, but uh, I mean, when you look at an ongoing game and its ability to support people to playing it, um, what happened today kind of just showed that that the wrong game won. You know when when final fantasy 14 has an issue with people signing in we have a queue we can still get into the launcher we can put in our credentials and we can get to the lobby server generally and when we try and get to our world there's a queue everything else that that none of that happened with fortnite none of it i mean everything was just absolutely trashed we couldn't even sign in couldn't update couldn't do anything those servers were absolutely overly taxed. They're not prepared for anything of that scale. And yeah, it's just, it was just not, not good. And the thing that I find interesting is this is kind of like the early 2000s era of World of Warcraft, where there was tons and tons and tons of people logging into one game to where it was bogging down. And then they finally fixed it. And then the population starts to drop. And then all the people that are still there are like, we always have uptime. It's never an issue. It's like, well, yeah, because your community dropped by 80% of the amount of people that were in it. Fortnite yeah. will drop off in a couple of years. And they're going to see, they're going to say, see, we don't have problems. And we go, in 2019, you did. And then they just point at FF14 1.0. And we're like, all right, fair. <laughs> like, we had yeah. some issues too. Yeah. But I mean, that wasn't because people couldn't sign into the game. Well, that was that there was barely a game. Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we had all of that happen. There was also a really cool little uh, announcement. There's going to be a, a new game coming from uh, Square Enix, something called Bravely Default 2. Oh, I, I'm trying not to squeeze much. At first, I was like, wait, isn't that just Bravely Second? But no, yeah. like, like the same kind of overall universe cosmology setting type thing but different characters different i'm someone used a good term for this that i can't remember but as someone who adored bravely default and bravely second i'm looking forward to that one i'm surprised i didn't come like bravely tertiary or something along those lines but it's not a continuation no i'm also it's very weird because they're kind of doing this like, hey, remember when we made 13-2 and 10-2 mm. and Tactics Advance 2? And now they're like, oh, but we're going to make a second game that's not related to Bravely Second. It's Bravely Default 2. It's like a new step towards a new branch of games or something. But it's kind of like in the same world-ish setting, in as much as that's a thing for Bravely Default. In as much as it's a thing. Well, we also had that Four Warriors of Light game where they all wore different hats that was like, 
what was that? Was it job based? Was it supposed to be tactics? Was it supposed to be bravely default beta? You have no idea what it was. It was great. It just didn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved it. I'm looking forward to more. Oh yeah. I didn't I still have tunes from the Bravely Default soundtrack when I'm feeling down. I don't have a system that can play any of those games, so I haven't played you any. You should of fix games. that. You gonna you, you gonna fix it for me? They're cheap. <laughs> like twenty bucks for a three DS now. There are all sorts of solutions for the unscrupulous who would like to delve into emulation. Not that Phoenix Down Radio condones the violation of intellectual law. Not at all. Though maybe the complete overthrowing and rewriting of them. Mm. Just saying. Okay. Anyway. There are so many problems with copyright law. I will now rant about this for hours. Let us and continue. We and and, and muting Sarah if he starts that rant. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many feelings about this. All right. Something else that might give you some feelings. Uh, they announced that the uh, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles remaster has been delayed to summer 2020. Uh, this I'm is okay with that. To allow the devs to focus on making final adjustments and make the game just right for players. Given that I think most people who are interested are interested for the nostalgia factor, I think they're okay with waiting a little bit to make sure that the product comes out right. Yeah. How long did we wait for the 7 remake? Were well, we even expecting the remakes for 8 and 12? I'm super fine with waiting until summer. Besides, Crystal Chronicles is awesome and the only reason it was a nightmare is that it took four people 12 hours and four game boy advances and a bunch of cables just to carry a bucket it was really difficult hopefully this remake adjusts some of those issues while still having plenty of crumb horn sure. yes god that music <laughs> all right um they recently announced a free login campaign for final fantasy 14 um from now until oh. january 14th uh, anybody who has not uh, subscribed to the game for, I believe, at least 30 days uh, will get up to 120 hours of playtime starting from their initial logon. So if you haven't played in a while, just put aside time where you know that you're going to need to update the game. The updates can be pretty big. It's not going to Yeah, lie. you have to get all of 5.15. And well, if you haven't played since pre-July, yeah. <laughs> you're going to be in there for a minute. Hope you have good, fast internet. Um, but your time starts then. Like I said, don't just download and say, yeah, I'll come pl play it later in the week because your time will have counted down and you probably won't have much, if any, at all left. Yep. So it's not how many hours you can play actually in the game. It's It counts down from when you start the, the first sign-in, 120 hours later, you're done. Yeah, I'm guessing they didn't want to have to worry about people trying to game the system and count every exact moment and things like that. Yeah, because, I mean, if you did it right, I mean, you could n never have to pay for a sub. You know, Theoretically, like, someone would math it out and make it happen. Not me. Now, would they be able to keep their house? Yeah, they should even still be able to do that. Anyway, um, I'm just hoping that they never go with the AOL-style plan for uh, for subscription or anything like that, so... What's your email address? Different every month. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> All right. Um, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, but Starlight Celebration is starting on the 18th, and that runs through New Year's Eve. Um, the quest will start in Gridani at the amphitheater, as usual. And this year, uh, the items we will be getting are a saintly chocobo barding, uh, Starlight de Chocobo orchestrian roll, I love those holiday-themed um, orchestrian roles like that. 
mm-hmm. the holiday remixes of the songs that we love. Yeah, especially Absolutely. the Chocobo theme. Probably one of my favorites all time. Um, I'll agree with that. The uh, choir concert advertisement wall poster. It's the same one that we had for <laughs> last year or two years ago's, uh, um, wasn't it? When we did the, yeah. the whole singing thing? That yeah. was last year. Okay. Um, a Starlight Roll cake housing item. And probably the cutest thing, a Starlight Gubu wreath wall hanging. Oh, that thing is adorable. So uh, I looked at this, and I have a quick question. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Barding, orchestrian roll. Housing, housing, housing. Are we not getting costume this year? No. I don't think so. Uh, based on what I saw, like, who's starting, a couple of other things mentioned, it sounds like we're going to be having another uh, round with the choir. I'd be okay. With, I like doing two years in a row where like we have the follow up yeah. from the last year, but like I, I don't want to do the like the three vocal girls again for the summer for the little ladies' day event. Like we've done that, we can move on. Posing Rangers, we've done that, we can move on. Two years is about the, right. We only had the posing rangers for one year. We had them twice. They showed back up the second year. Mm, no, they didn't. Posing, they had, the, like they po- might have like made a side appearance, but I, they weren't the folk. Yeah, they were never available as a uh, a, a reward two years in a row. Oh, well. and it came it came up on the Mog Station the the the, the year eight later, I believe. Okay. Yep. Uh, yeah, they've done the Aorzian Ninja Warrior. Yeah, thing that for was the past twice. Years. Yeah, that can go away. <laughs> what you don't you don't like the jumping puzzles? Fucking hate them. <laughs> well, I know some. So I think they just try to uh, provide a mix of stuff. You're not going to love every single thing that they do. No, absolutely not. And I'm glad that they're willing to be like, here's a thing that not everybody's going to like, but that's okay because there's six other holidays that we hit. I wish they would bring back the Moonfire Fair uh, games where you actually had to ride on an Elbston put out bombs. Oh, yeah, they had, or they had like the one where you're firing a cannon or things like that. Yeah, those they haven't brought back, and I wish they would. Well, we'll see what we get next, uh, Moonfire Fair. Aurori doesn't like jumping puzzles either, Talas, so you're not alone. I know, it's great. <laughs> I may have climbed Kugane Tower and done that final jump twice. Ugh. The second time was to get into position to raise some friends onto it. <laughs> no. When you could do no. it. Uh, you technically still can. Those things that kill you, the Blue Mage ones, still kill you. I thought they only brought you to one HP. Nope, they still nope, kill you. They, but they give you a six-minute debuff that prevents you from using them again. Hang on, hang on, I got this. Wee! <laughs> God damn it, sir! I'll be right back. I Good I night, could have folks. just rezzed you, you crazy bastard. Meh. This is why you got to come to the show live, folks. Ugh. Because I might just detonate myself for no apparent reason. Sarah's dying to have you join us. Oh, That was awful, and you know it. I know. That's why I did oh. it. Good lord. Oh, Feel right. shame, Klaus. Not Feel at, shame. Not even the slightest. <laughs> now that's awful, Talas. It's fine. Hang on, I got this. <laughs> and oh, yes, you're, 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 uh, um, you don't have uh, any gear for your uh, your caster there or your healer. So I'm not at home, so I don't have any of my gear sets. 
<laughs> so you have to manually equip. So I had to manually equip it. Just hit the button that says uh, best gear and hit OK. Boring. So you're going to make everybody sit in and look uncomfortably at, at a half-naked potato? Well, it does a reverse striptease. Naked potatoes are great. Yeah. Chili would say like he likes jacketed bit potatoes bit better. It's true. And there we go. And I guess I'm the only one alive now. That's nah, okay. Fine. I'm back. All right. So, last night... Um, for those of you guys joining us live here at twitch.tv slash Phoenix Star Radio, or it would be on Friday, the 13th of December, uh, for those of you listening on the podcast, we had a 14-hour broadcast from the uh, the Final Fantasy fourteen dev team. I still can't figure out what the hell that costume was supposed to be. It was a Sin Eater. Oh. Obvious in retrospect, and yet... And yet, it just generated so many memes. Yes, yeah. it was hilarious. If you guys uh, didn't get a chance to tune in, uh, the head of the community team, uh, Foxclon, uh, he put together a uh, <laughs> an interesting uh, representation of uh, a, a sin eater. So it was pretty. Hey, it was pretty. Fun. Points for being game and trying stuff. No, absolutely. I was like who is that? What are they doing? And then I got the joke and I'm like, Oh, cause it was all in Japanese mind you. And I, I don't speak a lick. I, I still need the subtitles when I watch my anime, but, uh, y- Yoshida's uh, reaction to it was, was priceless. <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, but so yeah, we had that, um, they announced that, uh, final fantasy, 14 has now surpassed 18 million registered accounts, which is pretty amazing. Um, they, we actually did get um, a little bit of a clarification on what they mean by a registered account. Uh, that it's somebody who has made a character and subbed at least once. So it's somebody who actually did pay for the game and pay to, to play uh, with a subscription. That was something I was curious about. Like, does it mean that, like, are we counting all of the gill sellers? Because uh, I know they've got a shitload of accounts, too. It does not. It appears to not account free trials at all. Dang. So that's pretty good. All right. I mean, that, that's, that's solid. Um, so we've got that. And uh, I didn't. I watched the first hour and I was like, I'm getting tired. This was at nine o'clock my time, so the the live letter was started at ten thirty, and it was like, "Oof, that's really late." It's or it's not, but it's well, it's late enough. It had been a very long week, and it's like, you know what? I think I'm just gonna rely on our friends to, uh, and and I'll read their summaries. So, um, huge thank you to Gamer Escape, Nova Crystallis, and Carry of Light, um, aka Mogmog five seven one. Um, who did a uh, who attempted to do a live translation of the entire 14-hour broadcast and did an amazing job, by the way. Thank you for that. I was watching part of it on Reddit, and I was like, who is this person? How are they doing this so fast and decently accurately? Yes. So, I mean, this is the person who, who goes and uh, translates all of the uh, foreign language um, interviews, like from Dengeki and, uh, and, and the other Japanese uh, gaming 
Oh, uh, okay. Cool. Carry of light on on uh, um, Reddit. Gotcha. Amazing, amazing person. So thank you, thank you, thank you for doing that. Um, You're doing the Lord's work. Much exactly. We're gonna link all of these uh, in the show notes. I don't feel like linking it in the Twitch chat right now. Sorry. No. If you guys want it, I'll get it to you guys later. Um. So. They, they made an announcement that we are going to get one more patch before 5.2, and that's coming Christmas Eve, patch 5.18. It's basically going to be the removal of the weekly restrictions from Eden's Gate, both normal and savage. Finally. Which will be nice, so we can farm for all of our um, items in there. Um, Go get all that last 460 stuff that you don't have. Yep. Um, well, actually, those um, if you're doing normal, that's only 450 gear. No, that's true. But I mean, if you have alts, you need to level to uh, gear up. That's a it's an inexpensive way to do it. Um, they're gonna um, have the deep shadow solvent, which is the weapon upgrade, that'll be available for purchase with the manufactured coins that you get from the first uh, twenty four man raid, that the the copy Cop factory. factory. I have four of those coins. I I am down to one. I spent six of them. Dang. My eye level right now is. 464 so I, I upgraded a bunch of my gear to uh, the 470 stuff excuse me I was coughing there um, and then the feast season 14 starts I know everybody's excited for that one <laughs> yep, I left that in there on purpose. Anyway, so that's what we get on uh, Christmas Eve. So we kind of get a little like, bit of a present. I feel like we need like a cricket soundboard or something. Well, it's something I'm working on trying to figure out the best way to do a soundboard. Uh, I've got. Oh no, I mean we just need to be able to do stuff like that. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm I am actually working on the best way to do that here. So that way, so that way you can hear it as well as people on the podcast and uh twitch can hear us so down the road we'll get there but let's get into let's the me sorry oh yeah i was gonna say we could text mika and be like how did you guys do this they, they had <laughs> multiple computers true which is what i would end up doing i would just hook in uh the, the audio output um from another computer into my soundboard and there we go all right now for the big thing we found out about Yes, patch 5.2, Echoes of the Fallen Star, um, coming mid-February 2020. <laughs> Was OK Google or Siri giving you some help over there? Uh, no, I, I said I said Echo. Oh. <laughs> Echo is my, and I, I was going to mute it, too, and I forgot. Rip. Yeah, eh, oh, well, I don't think it was too audible, so I think it would be all right. So, Echoes of the Fallen Star. Um, so, it's going to be coming either February 11th or 18th. So, not too far off. You know, a couple months. That's only two months. Yeah. It's not that far. Not too bad. So, with that, we are going to be getting new main scenario quests. Um, we're getting a new dungeon. Anamnesis Andir. Which is also trust system compatible, just like the uh, um, the Grand Cosmos was. Side note: I love someone posted a graph showing Google Trend stuff for just how huge a spike there was in searches for the word anamnesis. 
like and, right around the time that announcement was made. So, Sarah, did you look up what that means? I was one of those people. I like I use a lot of esoteric words, but I don't use that one. And what does it mean? So, anamnesis, the remembering of things from a supposed previous existence, often used with reference to Platonic philosophy. Well, I mean, that is actually the perfect word for this. Yeah. Uh, also can be about a recalling to mind or reminiscence. Given the whole, the title Echoes of a Fallen Star inspired some theorizing and questioning, uh, best guess at the moment is that it has something to do with kind of like echoes of the old ancient world, Amarot, and things like that. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's going to have to deal with Amarot because it's called just the way that it's worded. Is and it? the fact that it's yeah. dealing with a nighter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mispronounced that terribly. Sorry. It's all good. We got no there. Worries. Um, they also specified that moving forward in patch 5.x's, there will only be one new dungeon. Perfect. Okay. So I, I definitely know some people who are a bit cranky about that and some who are hopeful that maybe they'll be like upping the rewards on stuff and you won't have to worry about running expert roulettes all the time. Well, we'll have to see about that, but I'm I'm hoping that they don't continue to pull all of the dungeons out of Expert Roulette now. Yeah, I'm. I have no idea for that, and I was about to say, "Oh, I'm sure they'll," but then I realized I'm not sure what I think they'll do. But I a lot. Some people were upset by the fact that they've uh, reduced the dungeons again, but they are taking their. Uh, um, development resources and they're putting it into other things i mean we are getting a, a number of other things within the game um you know we'll talk about some of them coming up here shortly but uh i mean to put things at this high of a level i mean it does take a lot of res of developer time and uh energy to to actually produce so yeah we'll can, see what they're we, uh, doing with it if we can get high quality dungeons like we've gotten for all of Shadowbringers. Like we got right at the tail end of Stormblood, mm -hmm. I'm okay with getting one per even numbered patch. If they're that no, high it, of it's quality, one I'll per it's it. one per patch. So even the odd numbers is just going to be one. So we're still getting probably what seven or eight at you know six point X, and then six point one two three four five. We get five one more. each. Yeah, yeah, we end up with thirteen to fifteen at the end of the entire expansion. That's perfectly reasonable. Yeah. And none of them are like, never. Re yeah, I mean... Oh, God. Never remind me. The fact that we had... Um, I mean, 2.x, we had three dungeons per. And then it went to two dungeons in Heaven's Word. And then two and one in, in, in Stormblood. And now it's one in Shadowbringers. As long as it doesn't go to a, so, yeah. one every other... Yeah, I don't think they'll do one every other, because at the very least, there's usually going to be... My suspicion is that uh, the dungeons that they're going to have are going to be involved with the main scenario, and they're going to mm -hmm. be trust compatible. Yeah, I think that's exactly what they're doing. I'm okay with not getting hard mode dungeons at this point. And actually thinking about it, that might be the reason for uh, some of the increased love. If they want to continue to make them trust compatible, that's additional development time and resources required. Absolutely. So that at least would explain it. So I mean that that you know that that helps the five people who are using the trust system on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, I my trusts are still like seventy one. 
Yep. Oh, uh, since it was mentioned in the chat, Ian uh, so mentioned thinking that it might be the 13th shard. And that's another thought that's uh, floating around because there's questions about what's going on with the 13th shard, the fact that elements of it are showing up in the Eden uh, raid series. So although at the very least the this relating to something with uh, the world of the ancients and stuff of it coming forward is at least my preferred theory, uh, the 13th, something relating to the 13th is another one that's uh, very popular right now. And right now we just don't have a lot to go on, so everyone's just kind of theorizing. And speaking of the Eden Raid, we're getting a new um, tier to it. We're getting Eden's Verse, both normal and savage. They showed off some concept art, um, yeah, I'm not even sure what the verse is supposed to be. Like, we had Eden's Gate and then verse. It's like, okay, I'm not sure what they're going for with the naming scheme here. Well, maybe it'll make more sense as we figure out, you know, what exactly we're it, doing. It generally does, just like often They name the stuff carefully enough that there's all implied, so I can't help but be curious. Well, it's kind of in your nature, too. You're a very curious cat. Hmm. Well. Meow. Anyways, um, the the art they showed off looked very much like the Thunder Plains from uh, FF10. Oh, God, don't make me go back. You know, it, similar to what, uh, you know, Ian was talking about it last week when, you know, the uh, <laughs> the big mm-hmm. uh, active time event that they had at the dance up at KupoCon. Yeah. That was so obnoxious because they played the TikTok Yep. sound effect background and it was this room full of people with the ticking sound and a bunch of people shouting at three complete strangers wearing blindfolds <laughs> it um, was a really good time but in the middle of that was a giant square platform so some people were uh thinking that you know is it gonna be ramu is it gonna be ixian uh, I would lose my shit if we got Ixion. That would be so neat because we've had Rama. He has a role in our story. Yeah. Well, so uh, this was a thing that got circulated on Twitter that I absolutely loved. Uh, someone was doing a live transcription translation of it. And how did it go? Yoshi P said, if it's Rama, what do players recall? How would you answer? What is Rama? Chat said, picking up balls. Yoshi. See, that's why you get weird primals. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not wrong. Yes, we would get very... What do you remember about Rama? Gray Arbiters, wiping for no reason, Giant and picking beard. up balls. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then I mean, were, they even had that option in the chat thing with uh, the Titan one where we could the landslides. The landslides. Oh, God, the landslides. <laughs> and so those landslides up to 11. Oh, yeah. Um, there were some people speculating that it might be Ramu riding Ixian. That could be fun. That could be hella awesome. I mean, that's uh, one thing to keep in mind is that canonically the Warrior of Light is drawing stuff from their memories, and canonically we have all fought Ramu, but not all of us have necessarily fought Ixion. True. So I would go for Ramu just because yeah. that's something they could definitely justify story. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that, that's going to be in there. Now the question also has been raised, are we only going to fight two more primals or are we going to fight all four of the remaining primals that fit this particular, um, story arc? I mean, we're talking, um, maybe Garuda and, uh, Ramu and then 
Ifrit, and Shiva. Which someone mentioned that, and it brought back to um, brought to mind memory six and the sequence in the Magitek Labs uh, trash pit where you fight Ifrit and Shiva simultaneously. Mm. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, okay, so they'll have one for one, one for the wait. Maybe it's both at once. Did you guys ever play World of Final Fantasy? Yes, just yeah. not very far. Even Ifrit are an odd couple in it's all true. of that game. They could be putting them together. It's true. Oh my god, that what kind of fight would that be like? In the Final Fantasy one, one of the big things was every couple turns they're swapping in and out, and so you might be preparing like fire attacks to hit Shiva, and all of a sudden Ifrit's there. Which, because we don't use elements in 14, they would have to find a way to make that make sense for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they might do something else that kind of brings the feel, of, the feel of that fight, even if it's not replicated exactly. That's what they've tried to do for a lot of it. Even if the exact mechanics can't be replicated, be like, okay, how did that make it feel? What sort of things were you thinking and worrying about? What's all the stuff that can induce that feeling? Hmm. I'm very excited to see what happens. I kind of hope that we do two primals in the next round and then two more in the third round so that we don't end up like okay what's the third round all the weird shit that ended up on the cutting room floor and then we just made it really hard because i don't that would be a weird tier i'd rather do two and two but i mean if you think about it the primals came at the end because we started to uh uh, you know re-aspect um the ether in that area so we may continue to re-aspect all the other four elements that are remaining but and then the it, last tier is finishing everything off. And, or, or dealing but, with the whole darkness bit. But I mean, it would be a little bit weird to introduce that in the first one and then not have any real development of it in the second. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible. It just feels like it would be a little weird in terms of story beef. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a year between uh, the story on that. Yeah. No, I, under- I fully understand and agree yeah. with you. I mean, both ideas make sense but it which way are we going to go because this is uh an mmo where they release the content you know every so often you know we don't want to be sitting there on a cliffhanger for too long yep i uh i remember i think it was back when i was uh reading ms paint adventures and homestuck uh the author discussed that it is a very different experience for someone who say is reading the comic as it comes out day by day the wondering the oh hey this plot point that was mentioned like a couple months ago has suddenly come up again versus someone who comes across it several years later is reading through the archives all in one go where it's like oh yeah this plot point that was mentioned which i read about an hour ago kind of thing true so not necessarily that one is better than the other but that they are different experiences and that when you're designing you probably want to be keeping both in mind Mm -hmm. very true uh, continuing on, they announced a new beast tribe, the, the Katari, which are the we, key currents. We actually had seen that name before. Uh, if you look at your map of the Kitana Ravel, the first area on it is referred to as the Kitari Descent. So is this going to be in Amarang? Uh, no, uh, the Kitana or, Ravel, that's the Raktika oh wait, Great That's Raktika, okay, you're right, you're right. Yeah. So I was, th- I was thinking of the the well. Ah, Malika. Yeah, Malika. So this well. would be in the, yeah, the first area there is yeah the Qatari descent. Okay. Uh, given that, my expectation is that we'd uh, is that their stuff would be somewhere in the Raktika Greatwood. That it, judging by that, that makes sense. Um, now these are going to be gathering quests. 
So if you haven't uh, leveled up your, your DOL, this is a good chance to get some of that uh, sweet XP for them. Yeah, they had, so they had uh, for the uh, Ixal quests, there would be like light gathering elements required, though usually you didn't need any more than level five in the relevant gathering class. Uh, I don't believe the Moogles actually required gathering or let you use gathering classes at any point. It was exclusively crafted. Correct. And then Namazu was your choice of gathered or crafted. But this is the first time that it's going to be explicitly gathered. Yep. Gatherer as a thing. Well, I mean, if you think about it, you know, crafting is being taken up a lot by the Ashgardian Restoration. But right. there's an. No, they're going to be having too. some stuff with regards to that as well. Yep. We'll get to that in just a moment. Um, though it'd be interesting to see. I'm definitely going to be leveling it up or working on them just because I want to make sure to get keep all of my beast tribes uh, current. Yeah, I'm the combined quest will be. Oh God, combining the Kitari and the Pixies. Oh, that's gonna be fun. and then probably the dwarves, maybe or somebody else. Anyway, um, likely we could just uh, have a, another tribe or an offshoot of a tribe that we haven't dealt with yet. Yep. Uh, then we're also gonna have new Chronicles of a New Era quests called the Sorrow of Werelit. Um, this is gonna be Shadowbringers equivalent of the Four Lords of the Warring Triad quests. And uh, it seems like it's going to be uh, revolving around some weapons, potentially. Yeah, given uh, this seems like or, something we're going to be de or, developing what's going on on the source, given that we saw those what looked like preview images for Ruby Weapon, I think it was. Yep, they showed Ruby that's Weapon. Yep, that's well, that's the one of the new trials. Um, if they get it completed, they'll be uh, introducing the Ruby Weapon, Normal, and Extreme. Um, but so that's separate from the Sorrow of Werelet? See, I don't know. I was unclear about that. I, I didn't actually delve into um, the translation on that. I should have. Um, but this is just uh, stuff that, that we got from Gamerscape and Nova Chrysalis. Um, right. They also did list another um, secret MSQ-related trial that we're going to be getting. Um, so... <laughs> I would Which, guess... I mean, if we're going back to stuff like, say, looking at Stormblood, we did have a couple trials that showed up in that, in addition to the various optional primals, like uh, the one against Tsukiyomi. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, those were part of the Four Lords. That was the Monster Hunter crossover. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there was just that additional one at Castrum Fluminous. So uh, having a trial instead of a uh, dungeon, because I was uh, thinking about the, okay, is F are all the dungeons that they introduce going to be MSQ dungeons? But it's possible that they do a side dungeon and the MSQ thing is a trial. Very possible. Is that right? Uh, I need to go through the list and cross-check it with some stuff. I'll figure that out later. And then they're also going to be basically introducing the new Relic series, um, though it's going to be for upgradable equipment meaning that we, we hopefully will have some upgradable body pe um, armor as well, similar to, uh, or hopefully better than we got in uh, um, Eureka. Sorry, I was blanking on the name. Yeah. Now that one's going to focus around the Bosja Citadel, uh, so it's going to tie in. Are those of you who have level, been leveling up your gunbreaker will have seen some mention of that, some reference made to that. This was the citadel where uh, Sid's father Midas lost his life uh, in a tragic misfire of Dalamud that 
obliterated the entire citadel. Uh, the Hrothgar looked to have been picking through and rebuilding in the ruins. Uh, but this is going to be something that it sounds like will be taking us a bit further in, towards Garamald's doorstep, uh, the citadel being on the Ilsevardian continent. Yep. So our relic is going to be on the source instead of on the first. Yep. So it looks like they're not going to have it be an exclusively Norfrant-focused uh, expansion. Which is good. Yeah. It's the story is developing in both locations. We do have the stuff that's been going on. Having the stuff with the weapons, given what we saw of what the Garleans had already produced, uh, it seems apparent that this is some, a situation we're going to have to get involved in. Now, I've heard rumors um, circulating through the different... Uh, um, translations that this actually may be the end of the uh, storyline for the first. Uh, that I'm not sure of. I know there was an interview saying that they're expecting to, like, I like by the end of this expansion or with 6.0, have that be the end of the Zodiac Heidelin storyline. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, so at that point, we'd want to start expanding into other stories that can be told. But I'm not. I haven't seen anything especially confirmed about whether we're going to be done with the first or not. As I was uh, digging through some of the translations, that's where I was seeing some of that uh, mentioned. Like I said, it's it's all yeah. speculative. Not, yeah. not, nothing that yeah. we've gotten has been officially uh, um, translated, so... From a mechanics perspective, it might be a little tricky, just because with our current set of trusts available, if we're leaving the first, not having Reen available... This doesn't mean it's impossible. It doesn't even happen. It's more of a, this is an issue they would need to find a reasonable solution for. Yeah, so I'd want to keep an eye towards what are they, groundwork are they laying towards that solution. Though, if you remember, though, um, you know, at least when you're going through the dungeons the first time, not everybody's available to be played in each of the dungeons. Yeah. So, so there is that. Um, so, and then there's going to be various job adjustments. They specifically mentioned Red Mage. Um, nothing said about it, but they're going to be making some changes. And, of course, PvP updates. Yay. Again, crickets. But I'm glad that they continue to upgrade it so that the people that are enjoying it get more content for them. Yeah. Yep. Uh, they talk. I'll talk a bit about this one since it's one I focus a lot on. They talked a bit about the updates for Ishgardian Restoration. Uh, talked a little bit about some of the ideas behind it, that they expect it to be something that's going to be taking place over multiple patches. This is something that's kind of like for the long haul. As part of the upcoming uh, next set, they're going to be uh, implementing previously discussed changes to the diadem. It's now going to be a location exclusively for gathering. Uh, towards that end, you'll only be, need to be level 10 in a Disciple of the Land, and you'll no longer need those Mission Cerulean tanks in order to take a voyage to the Diadem. Uh, instead, you'll be heading there from the Firmament. Correct. Uh, you'll be gathering items that'll be used in the restoration of Ishgard, and so you'll be earning a Skybuilder scripts as a part of that. Uh, but the general idea follows moving from island to island, gathering stuff as you go. Hopefully not uh, following are... tracks. Yeah. <laughs> they did not going to need to worry about fighting or being attacked by enemies. That you'll gather, uh, gather experience as well as items. So this will be an opportunity to level up those gathering classes if you haven't already. Similar to it what really they did with uh, the, gather the crafters in the first bit of the firmament. 
Yeah, it really seems like they want to provide people an opportunity to start catching up those crafters and gatherers, make it something where, because if you go long enough, it starts to become something where the barriers to entry become as bad for an economy. Yeah, yeah. this patch, they're really doubling down on, on the gatherers. Now, gathering in, uh, while you're in the diadem will also charge up a gauge that allows use of an item called an Atheromatic Augur, uh, which I'm not... The spelling that we saw in some of the translations seems to suggest something about, like, uh, fortune-telling, augury, but it could be with A-U-G-E-R, which is more of a drill. Whatever it is, it looks rather like a rocket launcher, that we'll be able to use on creatures in the wild to obtain additional items. This I, is the first interesting thing that has happened to Disciples of the Land since the launch of this game. Yeah. We get a rocket launcher to kill stuff with. That's the only thing that I saw. Yeah, Yoshida like, specifically said it. you'll be kind of like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> For somebody that hates gathering, I was like, oh, finally, there's something to actually do for gathering. They gave us a weapon, and they're like, it's in Diadem. And I'm like, of course it is. Why wouldn't it be? Because it it worked out so well the last two times. Well, Diadem is changing significantly here, so... Um, Just kill it and make something new. I don't understand why we keep going back to it. Uh, they mentioned also some changes with having new expert recipes, uh, new collectibles to craft with greater rewards. And they mentioned that specifically... Uh, all statuses other than poor, normal, good, and excellent, and that these are going to be very important in getting the quality increases that we're going to want to complete those items. Mm, sorry, needed some tea there. No, you good? Uh, we've got the Kupo of Fortune system, which I don't know if I find that name adorable or like the laziest naming ever. Maybe a little bit of both. Both. Let's go with both. Uh, but where, as you contribute, uh. Uh, materials to the Ishgardian restoration effort, you'll receive scratch-off tickets, and those tickets will be able to be used to redeem various rewards, so injecting a little bit of bonus reward into the process. Uh, they're going to be adding as well a ranking system for Ishgardian restoration, uh, where each 10-day period uh, you'll earn points on various classes when contributing specified items. They will have separate rankings for each crafting and gathering class. And also so for each server. Yeah. For instance, contributing on your botanist in the diadem, that'll be separate from your mining points, which will be separate from your carpentry points. Uh, each uh, The results after for each 10-day period will be announced on the lodestone, and you'll receive special titles for the top-ranked crafters and gatherers, but there will be other achievements and rewards based on your contributions. So even if you're not uh, dedicated or insane enough to snag those top spots, it sounds like there'll still be some rewards for you. 10 days seems like an odd uh, period yeah i'm not sure why they chose that specifically instead of a week uh, maybe they want to have it where like if there are people who have different days different points in the week that end up being the oh hey there's two wednesdays in this wednesdays are my really good day so i can shine this week something like uh, that I don't so know. the people that are because like i know for a couple weeks there over the summer i was logging in on tuesday and that was it. <laughs> yeah. And I would do I, all of Eden and I would do copied factory and I would log out. I wouldn't touch it again until Tuesday. Yeah. I appreciate stuff that can be uh, support uh, or give uh, opportunities to people who don't necessarily have standard schedules. It, 
uh, given how historically a lot of MMOs expected like this full-time dedication, being able to recognize that we are adults with adult schedules and may need different things, and attempting to provide stuff for different ones, I have no idea if that's the reason. That's just something that it enables, and I like that. And the other thing they mentioned was Sky Steel Tools, which would be main hand crafting and gathering tools that, much like those relic weapons, can be upgraded over many patches. So it looks like we're expanding our uh, relic type quest lines to our crafters and gatherers, which, as someone who likes upgrading weapons, I am so down for this. I wonder how different it'll be from like the, uh, the Supra and the Lucis tools we had. So, I mean... Mm-hmm. Sorry. Because, I mean, really, that was very a similar, you know, it was a relic upgrade type system where we had a specific uh, web, uh, main hand that we had, and then we would go through a series of quests, mainly uh, crafting and gathering different uh, items specifically for those jobs, turning yeah. them in, and... Yeah. But, I don't know, I mean, it, it wasn't like the other relics where it's like, okay... Prove its stats a bit, or you select this direction, or things for it. It was mostly just okay. Gather enough materials. Okay, you get your next stage up, and there weren't very many stages for it either. Uh, there were four, weren't there? Uh, your basic one, your supra, and your lucis. I thought there was a, a one before the supra. Let me check that. So we got her. Oh, uh, so heard a leg on into a Supra, which then gets turned into a loose. Okay. For some reason, I thought there was four stages. Nope. Might be thinking of a, something else, but... And that one most... Like, uh, the first one uh, mostly involved one item that you crafted, and then one that you could only get through desynthing, but this it was desynthing that very much favored certain classes, and it was something that annoyed me a lot. As someone who had picked a non-standard standard set of synths, I was like, why didn't you pick goldsmithing? Because I didn't want everything to be goldsmithing. Anyways, that was the oh, ways back. I'm guessing it's going to be a little more in-depth we'll than those ones. All right, cool. Um, then they had some other crafting and gathering updates. Um, there's going to be new crafting system updates. They're going to adjust the actions, you know, the changes we got with 5.1 were not final changes by any means. They're going to continue to adjust to make sure that everything is uh, balanced and working well. Um, I mean, you, you get that with any one of these. They think they understand how it works, but once they implement it, they keep an eye on it, see what players are doing, and see how it actually works out. Yep. Um, they're working on a new feature to estimate the effects of the next action, almost like a, uh, um, a calculator, you know, so you can kind of gauge out what your steps would be if you were to perform them um, in-game versus having to use an out-of-game calculator for your crafting. Um, the ability to desynth items in a stack. Now, that'll be nice. Oh, yeah, that'll be nice. That's going to be nice to do a lot of items that you just have a stack of that you're like, what am I going to do with 12 of this thing? Uh, I can tell oh, you, after a fishing session, I'll have, like... 15 or 20 of some random fish and it's like okay i can make them all go away at once that'll be nice yeah and then probably the biggest uh quality of life thing that i've seen in a long time the party requirement for free company crafting will be removed 
Oh my god, yes. I mean, thank you all who have come and assisted me with my company. <laughs> all those times I've asked, I really do appreciate it. I'm also glad that I'm not going to have to keep bugging you. Right? Now it'll make it how easier many- for me to be able to do it as well. So. Well, like how many times have we had, like I know Aurori's joined us in Unity a couple of times, just like, hey, do you mind AFKing in here for 20 minutes while we build a submarine from scratch? Yeah, Like Harley had- has all the stuff, we just need you to stand here. I had friends who AFK'd like for hours at a time because like, okay, got this one. I'm going to go out and gather days. Yeah, so they just hung out in the party and they just... Uh... I mean, they were working on other stuff outside of game and they're like, yeah, it's no uh, problem to AFK in here. Yeah. Which it kind of started to feel like, why is this even a requirement? <laughs> Which is yeah. why they're removing it now. And that's probably a huge part of it is like, so how do you guys feel about you know group crafting? It's like, well... Three of my friends AFK'd and I did all the work. And it's like, well, fuck it. Like, that's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. There is very little group about it. Yeah, I mean, initially when we first got it, it was kind of neat to get together as a group. I'll craft these bits. You craft those bits. We'll all turn them in. And then when we get everything up to 100%, we'll hit the button and boom. Or, hey, Steve over there is like a level 52 you know, carpenter. Have him turn in all the wood bits so he gets the EXP for it. And then we'll hit the button. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like there are better, less cumbersome ways to get XP at this point. At this point, yeah. But, you know, back yeah. in uh, early Stormblood, not so much. Or, yeah, or even in uh, Heavensward. Oh, gosh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, so then uh, some other bits they talk about. Materia system changes. Um, when um, uh, Spirit Binding... The equipment is no longer lost when you convert. So it sounds like instead of like collapsing the entire item into a material, we're now extracting the accumulated spirit bond energy. Yep. And then it goes back Which to does, zero. Yeah. So it's like, okay, can you pull items out of a, a multiple material out of a single piece of equipment? Um, That would actually be kind of nice. Cause I certainly had stuff like some of uh, my combat. Okay. Like, you finished bonding ages ago. Mm-hmm. I could have gotten three or four materia out of you just using you as you are. Yep. And, yeah, same with crafting gear, gathering gear. I mean, when you get it to a certain point, I mean, you're you're basically just, it sits at 100%, you know, for, like, three, exp- three patches. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of nice that now we're going to be able to, I don't know if it's going to do it automatically or if we have to hit a button to do it. That part wasn't necessarily explained, but we're going to be able to get multiple materia out of a spirit bonded item. And then we can turn it in for seals at the end. (laughs) No more choices. It's just either before it was either converted it or you turned it in for seals. Now you can do both. I Um, was actually really happy to have that because most of the time I was like, oh, cool. This is fully spirit bonded and it's 12 levels lower than me. I guess I can get rid of this item and get a materia I can use. Now it's, oh, I have to keep the item. I don't want to keep the item. I wanted it to go away. Now you can sell the item for Gil. Or desynth it. Or desynth it. Desynth it for some sand or sell it for 500 Gil. Or seals. Yeah, some, if it's seals. if it's a type of gear that can be turned in for seals, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's be uses options. for it. Um, crafter class requirements for affixing materia are also going to be removed. So any crafter can affix materia if they meet the level requirement. 
You no longer have to have a level 80 everything to affix your materia. If you have a level 80 culinarian, technically you should be able to fix materia to everything. Yep. This That's literally just like a minor Minor this translates to I'm never leveling my crafters again. Because <laughs> I only need one at max level. Yeah. Well, why wouldn't well And we Depends don't have crossbow skills anymore. I mean if you want to make the other things. Yeah. I mean if Maybe. you want to be able to make your own gear or make gear for friends. Or whatever or else. Build is the there. entirety of a submersible by yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or you just That's hire Sarah. Yeah, when you build your own submersible, you don't have to worry about no damn OSHA checks. <laughs> also, what are they going to do? You punched Ifrit in the face a couple of hours ago. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Relatedly, who wants to go down to crushing ocean depths in my definitely safe submarine? Definitely Come on. Crickets. Crickets. Speaking What's of the, the ocean... And, f and things that you can do in the ocean. Fishing updates. Woo! Um, the required level for patience, precision hook set, and powerful hook set will be lowered. So you're going to get them earlier. Yeah. Uh, given the... Uh, pretty much this makes it easier to start doing some of those high quality catching that you need for various quests. Uh, I don't think... What level does patience show up at right now? 50 something. Um... Hang on, let me equip a fishing rod. Uh, let's see. Patience is at level 51. So given that rowing as collectibles don't start until that point, the biggest thing I could see it impacting is stuff that is in mooch chains before then, or if you're trying to get stuff for quest fish, where you may need a high quality. So it's a minor quality of life thing, but a nice one. Yep. Uh, another quality of life thing that's really nice to see the fish tug animations will be made easier to distinguish. Whatevs. Real fishers distinguish it by sound. That's true. Yeah, that's probably fine. No one else needs to be broken like I've been broken. <laughs> well, I mean, I think we've both been there. Though I you... have seven blanks in my fish guide. Though, like, no so one you... needs to be broken like I've been broken. I, just had, I didn't say I've done it recently. <laughs> um, an all-purpose lure will be added, which is going to be kind of like a relic for the fisherman, um, but not too hard to get. I thought we already had an all-purpose lure. So they've got the saltwater and freshwater bollies, which work for saltwater and freshwater, respectively. But that still doesn't cover things like dune fishing or salt fishing or athero fishing, because apparently we think it's a good idea to throw our line into an etherochemical spill. Or volcano oh. fishing. Uh, hey, hey, hey. Hell fishing. Thank you. Well, you're fishing in a volcano. You're not actually fishing in hell. Eh, to a lot of the denizens of the land, there is very little meaningful difference. I mean, just because you've been broken. Anyway. I mean, technically, I no longer because I have caught every single bit. That's your That's own fault. That's why you wait until they come out with things like this. Anyway. Anyway. They're also bringing up ocean fishing. Oh my god, who had flashbacks to the Selbina Mora ferry? I'm hoping it's going to be something like that, honestly. I want to fish up mobs. It would be hilarious. 
Given that it's Fisher exclusive, I'm guessing that there will not be need for combat class. Yeah, I know, but it, it would still be awesome. I mean, pe- pe- I heard people talking about that they wanted to be able to fish up to sea horror and uh, <coughs> you know Dude, stuff like that. A friend of mine soloed the sea horror on back on Dragoon back in the day. That's hardcore. Yeah, at, yeah. Level, at level 70, 75? Uh, I, it was below 75. I forget exactly what level she was. I can ask her. Well, I want to say that that was, a, what, a level 60 mob-ish, somewhere nice. in there. Oh, hang on. I found the thing from the YouTube video that she posted. Oh, my God, 2007. That's only 12 years ago. Um, call a thing. None of this says what level she is. Well, the the cap at that point was still uh, seventy five. So, but I don't think she was at cap pre two hour update, pre damage update. And anyway, um, so it's Fisher exclusive. Yeah. You'll be able to board a ship at specified times to enjoy fishing on the high seas. Oh, I found it. Uh, FF eleven Clopedia's talk page had a thing about it. Uh, she was level sixty seven at the time. Okay. That's a mess. Oh, so that was, she was what the first one to solo it? Uh, she uh, not. I'm not sure if she was the first one, but it was pre two hander update and pre two hour update for Dragoon. Okay. Um, and if you meet certain conditions while you are fishing, uh, you will grant everybody on board the chance of getting a big haul. Whatever that means. I'm guessing that means like being able to catch unusual fish or larger fish or well, given that there's probably going to be entirely new types of fish available for this and that they're having those gatherer updates. Maybe this is a way that fishers can contribute to that restoration as well. Mm, We'll see. Depends on where these uh, um, different uh, voyages will be taking place. Is this going to be happening on the first? Is this going to be source exclusive? Are there going to be multiple locations I, this can be done? I would guess it's going to be on the source just because the Flood of Light really screwed up. the. That's why Still Tide is called Still Tide, because the tides are still. Hmm. I mean, there's there's still... Does know, no one else talk to all the NPCs repeatedly? I mean, there, there's still, you know, the area above the Tempest. Well, sure, but the water's not moving properly in it. All right. Damn you and your logic. Well, just because I talked to all the NPCs like 20 times to see it. Um, so much. And then there was some miscellaneous stuff. We're getting the, the new tombstone. Um, there's going to be more New Game Plus chapters. There's finally going to be a, a free company rank increase. Yeah, what? We've had up to rank 8 for so long. Yeah, since I, uh, 2.x, right? Yeah, I don't even know what they are going to add to it. You've got the company chest, the crest customization. Maybe they'll make it possible to purchase those rank three busk because I spun some up on Arthurial Wheel, but that barely gets used. So maybe the, I mean, maybe they'll introduce some rank fours then that you can make instead. Or well, they might, or they might let you purchase rank threes, or maybe they'll let you execute more actions at once. Yeah. So I mean, having three would be nice. Um, maybe they'll add pages to, or, uh, yeah, add tabs to the company chest. Yeah. Or maybe there'll be some entirely new thing. I don't know. But it's nice that they're doing that. Um, they're going to be adding more courses to Leap of Faith, Tal's favorite content. 
Ooh, baby. Ooh, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, fellowships will be viewable in the companion app. Now, that's actually good. Fellowship yeah. was the, like, cross-world link shell level two that we didn't need, right? That, that nobody it's can not really like... a cross-world link shell. It's more of just, like, kind of a message board. and app. Like, it's more for, like, large-scale thing than an actual chat. Okay. But now we're going to be able to utilize that within the, the uh, companion app. So, I mean, it's giving both of those things an actual purpose. But yeah, for those who expected it to be yet another chat space, I don't. As I said, like, it mostly has like a message board, ways to provide stuff. So it might be something sort of maybe like a kind of a free company on steroids in that it doesn't necessarily provide the in-game benefits, but it's a way for larger groups to organize to say, yeah. hey, we're going to be doing this type of content regularly. Hey, for those who are interested in a supporter space, here's a thing to help find people in-game. But yeah, not necessarily the direct chat space because we've got a lot of solutions for that already. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, it could be interesting to be able to actually view and input things with from the companion app and not have to be in-game. Yeah. And then uh, they're adding umbrellas. So now you can all, you know, live out those Mary Poppins fantasies. I'm not sure what brought that one on, but it's a cute idea. It's very cute, but I just, why? And also, umbrellas will be added. It's the most ominous sounding thing. They <laughs> with will no context. be added. I think it's uh, because a lot of uh, people in uh, um, Kugane have umbrellas. And players I mean, spoke out styles. and wanted to have them. There's a Crystarium umbrella stand as well that has like a kind of neat style umbrella in it. Okay. Somebody wanted one. There was a new-ish animator slash visual artist. They're like, hey, make 20 umbrellas that work in 14. We'll cram them in when you're done. Or it might have even been like, I feel like that's less likely than... Oh, hey, it would be neat if the players could carry umbrellas. I am going to do this as an independent project. I mean, keep in mind, like, the Viera and Hrothgar glasses came about because of that. Yeah. And True. then Yoshida could be like, hey, that's kind of neat. Here you go. Go ahead. Do yeah. it. Congratulations. You're now a full-time hire instead of a contractor. Yeah. Now, if that umbrella added to the game is actually a mount. You want to fly. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. You want a goosehead umbrella that you can go flying in the clouds with, don't you? <sighs> Come on, you guys have seen Guardians 2, right? Yeah. Are we going to have a Let's Go Fly a Kite chorus at the end of an episode at some point? No. No. Okay. B- because Disney will come after us. Oh, shit, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's Do not mess with them. Also, they mentioned <laughs> that the uh, 2B butt nerf was unintentional. And they're going to be. This was the best thing. Yeah. I can't believe that we have, as a community, spent so much time worried about our characters' butts that they are actually <laughs> putting a spider a... back in this game. They are putting a bug characters. back into this game. <laughs> no, I mean temporarily. We yeah. have broken Yoshi P's spirit, and now he just gives us whatever we want. Now this, I'm, I pulled this information from. Um, Mogmog571, uh, Carrie of Light, from her um, live uh, translation of uh, this bit. Um, okay. So this is coming right, this is mainly Yoshida talking here. Uh, in regards to the 2B gear, the, the bottom, it's clear now, but the bottom is smaller now. People online are saying the bottom is nerfed. 
People on Reddit were also saying that powerful word, bottom nerf. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't nerf it because we wanted to. That's what we want you to understand first. Basically, 14 has... 14 gear has precise and complicated settings. We couldn't provide bottom sliders, so we wanted to provide this gear to at least answer what players want. How should I say this? I can't use dev terms. Shape the polygon. Um, If you pull a certain part, the bottom will extend and extract if you push it. Um, They released the gear without setting that flag. So when you sit down, it's supposed to extract and stay under the other gear. But there was a bug report that the bottom was sticking out of the coat. To fix that, we made changes to the bone and released it. So that the bone being the uh, the 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 skeleton skeleton of the model. Yep. Um. uh, But because there are so many combinations of gear, the two B gear bottom met that needs to extract flag. Uh, We have to consider if it's supposed to change its shape when it's used with certain gear, and it will take some time. So we will start by removing the flag so the bottom will stick out with any gear, but we'll revert it to what it was originally like in 5.18. Then we'll look into the combinations with other gear to fix the core issue, but I think it was a good opportunity to look at the problems with gear. Please pray no bugs pop up before 5.18 so we can release it this year. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so they're gonna go ahead and like do the long-term fix but in the interim they will not deny us our shapely butts yes but i just thought it was kind of interesting that he actually um specified that they can't actually add a butt slider yeah but we also got a reason and an explanation which has been a huge and, step and a okay so instead of that we'll at least provide you gear that allows you different sizes of butts well, I mean, they did it with, you know, they added it with the bust, you know, with Menphilia's gear. And uh, there's a couple other pieces that did that, too, I think, wasn't there? Yeah. Given that the technical limitations do not appear to allow a full-on slider adjustment, whatever, this mm-hmm. seems like a reasonable compromise. Yep. Um, now, I was going to go through the uh, a little bit of the Q&A with uh, Sokem, but we actually went quite long on that. So um, we're going to have to skip that for now. Uh, we'll uh, um, link that... Um, in the show notes, if you guys are interested, um, yeah. some pretty I, interesting things that were mentioned there. You know, they're talking about wanting to have a primals tour for North America, but um, Sokin really was burning it the candle at both ends when he was touring Japan. So, is that man ever not burning the candle at both ends? Like he's great. I just worry that we're going to kill him with our love for him, and the fact that uh, it requires uh, uh, Koji as well. You know, it would have to be a time when uh, both of them are kind of uh, not as needed. I mean, mm-hmm. t- taking two main uh, people from the dev team is quite uh, taxing on the rest of the, the crew. So um, one thing he did mention, though, he's planning to have an orchestral role for the Azizla zone ready by 5.2. So we're going to have that music available in the orchestrians. Did we not have it already? I thought we did. Uh, as a sloth music, I don't think it's actually in there. Nope. Mm. So we're going to have it for 5.2. Um, Sweet. And then uh, merch. The uh, Dome and Mahjong tiles are actually going to be available in Japan March 23rd. Actual physical Mahjong. Just kind of neat looking based off of uh. the, 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 um, the in-game stuff. And Sayre is going to be uh, pre-ordering an art book soon. 
that why do you keep bringing me up about this? I am not the only one who likes her. Well, they are going to be releasing the Art of Reflection, as the name implies. It's the an art book focused on Shadowbringers and the Reflection, the first, uh, the first. Uh, and that'll have a release for us in May. The mini, the bonus item to be included with this it this time is a wind up Dulia Chai minion. That's really, adorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if Chai knows is everyone's weird cat dad, Dulia Chai is everyone's lovable cat mom. Like I said, Sarah She's will be buying. Girl. No, I'll be getting it too because I well I love the art books for one and two. You know, you can never have too many minions. Oh man, you could play for minion and have a wave of Dulia Chai. Oh, God. On the enemy. I wonder what she'd even do in that. <laughs> no. Well, well, you saw what now she did. Now I actually to... want it because it's stupid. <laughs> it's going to become the new meta before, for, for but now minion. I want it. You suck. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of entertaining. If you ever like look at the go through a bunch of even like the newer minions, they continue to add Verminion abilities on them that are actually kind of entertaining. Mm-hmm. Wind up Fafnir has Riddle. All right. And then they also did talk about FanFest 2020 slash 2021. Um, They officially announced it, but uh, no actual details. Um, They said maybe the next live letter they'll be talking more about it. Yeah. It's something where they mentioned having the locations ready, but they can't really do any further announcements at this point. uh, Pretty much they either always have a FanFest that year or they're getting ready for the next one. Uh, they did mention that North America had the issue of being incredibly fast and had asked that they at least double the numbers. And so they're going to try to make uh, North America's bigger this time around. Uh, because of that, they're looking at uh, somewhere other than Las Vegas because there is nowhere in Vegas that is actually big enough. And Yoshida is very sad. Well, he can go to Las Vegas on his own dime. <laughs> Oh no, he can't get a work-sponsored junket to Vegas. My heart bleeds. He's going to end up in L.A. anyway. It's an hour and a half drive. It's fine. Just take two extra days, right? Um, Something like that. Now, something that was interesting is it was listed as, underneath FanFest 2020-21, it was listed as Japan-slash-North-America-slash-Europe. Where normally they've done it listed in the other order of North America, they've Japan, never, Europe. They've never actually listed it that way because whenever they? they announced uh, FanFest, um, they always had details as to when and where. Oh, then maybe it's just because they... Ha- I know they weren't able to announce the further details, so maybe that's why. Yeah, but with that, um, like I said, because I actually went back to look to see if they did it that way in the past, and this is the first time they did it like this. So, um, speculating... Uh, NA could be second because of the way they're ordered. It's possible. So, I mean, we, mm. we, we may not be the, the first ones up. Now, does that mean we're going to have to have it after Christmas? Or, um, Talos and I were talking about this a little bit earlier. Um, maybe they're going to push the Japanese one up around, say, August to coincide with the, uh, um, the, the anniversary of Final Fantasy XIV? Who bloody knows? So they so let's say that they do August, and then they leave the North American one in late October or November, and then they put the EU one at the early part of the year, say March or so. Then we have a four-month 
stint of time and then the expansion comes out in july as per usual Mm -hmm. that schedule doesn't look unrealistic the catch is that if we put it in if we put north america in the fall we are limited to where we're going to go because there are places with adverse weather where flying people in and out would be extremely difficult whereas things on the west coast especially in the southern end tend to stay a lot warmer a lot later in the year so we plus they already do have offices they already do have offices in El Segundo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was even mentioning their offices are El Segundo, and that's going to be a perfect spot because anybody that's worked in the business realm for any amount of time knows wherever your office is, you get partnerships and contracts and you get in good with everybody around you. So you have access to cabs and hotels and restaurants and private rooms in the back of a coffee shop or whatever because you're gonna need them for something eventually and so they have all those contacts because they have offices there square enix knows how to use the la convention center i went to the final fantasy 12 remasters launch party at ax putting fan fest in la is not that difficult the question is what venue I mean, bonus, I know some really good sushi places. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good sushi around there. And it's been 20 years since I've been to L.A. There we go, then. You're missing nothing. Oh, I know, but I know. Well, actually, technically, I... I've never actually been to L.A. other than flying in, because I went straight from there to uh, Orange County. Ah. Uh, oh, because you were going to, like, Disneyland or whatever? No, I just hanging. I just had uh, friends who lived in the area. Gotcha. I could probably visit my parents. That'd be nice. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they, they said they've basically got all the plans worked out. So they know where they're going to be having it. Um, and there's a 98% chance that it's going to be L.A. But So I've heard some people making a reasonable argument for Texas, and I'm sure there's others going around. Yeah, Dallas actually isn't a terrible idea. Um, people have mentioned San Francisco. People have mentioned Seattle. Um, I'd love to see it come to Minneapolis. <laughs> I mean, oh, realistically, San Francisco would be terrible. It's expensive, like the traffic. And LA is cheaper. Just yes. Not Surprisingly, bad. yes. Things are bad up here. Things are yeah. bad in California in general, aren't they? Yeah, but like the Bay Area is bad for California. I suppose yeah. because of all the tech companies there. That's all the- one of the things going on. It's also, there just isn't enough infrastructure for everything that's happening. Seattle has the exact same problem right now. Does Seattle also have the peop- uh, a whole bunch of people who own houses try to block any kind of construction because they don't want the character of things changing ever? Uh, if you were referring to Seattle, no. If you say Seattle, but you're not from here and you're referencing everything between Oregon and California west of the mountains... Yes, there's a lot of that shit that goes on in Western Washington, and it's really frustrating. A lot of NIMBY. NIMBY, NIMBY, NIMBY. Burn it all. Pave it all. But no, like I said, I can make it a legitimate uh, uh, argument for bringing it to Minneapolis. So. Yeah. <laughs> Catch. Well, we're also looking at where all of our guests coming from. That's true. I mean, the other options, that you're looking at coastal areas would be probably easy. But I mean, most There's of these places a lot all of logistics have. for putting on one of these things. Yeah, but most major cities do have an international airport, so theoretically they could get uh, direct flights. And I want to say there are direct flights from Minneapolis to Japan. 
Minneapolis has actually hosted some other major events, so it's not a completely unreasonable suggestion. Yeah. And the hardest thing is things like I was meeting I was meeting a friend from New York. We were meeting in Tokyo. And we left give or take within five hours of each other and we showed up almost a day apart because she had to fly through Iceland and I had to fly through China because I went across the Pacific and then backtracked. She had to go eastbound and go across Europe and across all of Asia and then come across China. She also was in Shanghai the same time I was, but we ended up on different flights going to Narita. Dang. But she went one way and I went the other. We both ended up in China and then we from Shanghai went to Narita. It was very, very weird Sounds because weird. of where the, the United States is huge. So if you put something in, say, Texas, for an example, which direction are we flying from? Which airline are we using? Which airline does Square Enix have contracts with? Do they have contracts with JAL or ANA? If they don't, then are they going to create a contract with Delta? Or, Sing- or Singapore Airlines? Singapore Logistics. doesn't go to Texas. It's a pain in the butt, so who knows? It's probably going to be West Coast, and even if it's only for one year, LA is probably the next location. Yeah. But the fact yeah. that he's actually addressing the issues that we that we uh, brought up about it actually makes me feel very good about the whole situation. Yeah, like, hey, I died in queue, or hey, my email never showed up and I had to use someone else. Hey, I didn't get to go again. Like that's frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, all like you can, they can improve all the different queuing things as much as they like, and that wouldn't change the fundamental issue of there are far more people that want to go than can go. Mm-hmm. The only yep. way you fix that is make it so more people can go. Yep. And the things that they did to improve the queuing will then also then have positive impact when you actually increase the the size of the the event. Oh sure. So. I mean, it needed but to like be done, a lot of these but... things become much more forgivable if it's a I couldn't get into queue and it took me 30 minutes to buy or it took me two hours to buy my ticket versus I couldn't get into queue. And by the time I did, the tickets were all sold out. Yeah. One of those is a one of those is a passing annoyance. The other is just like deeply not acceptable. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm go- going back four years when we were getting tickets for the 2016 Fan Fest. And oh, uh, I mean, that was not a fun situation either, but uh, I was very lucky both times around, but it, it was not fun. And it w- was painful to watch uh, all my friends struggling with it. Yeah, I, I was fortunate. I actually did actually get back into queue and got tickets, but I know people who didn't. So it, it's I'm hoping that they, they fix it. I'm hoping it doesn't come down to a lottery system like they use in Japan. But, you know. We'll see. I mean, some of it's still going to depend on just how many people want to do it. So we'll see. But it sounds like they're at least trying to increase the numbers. Yep. Because I, I, I would almost guarantee you we could uh, have the numbers that they had in, in Tokyo easily. They had, what, 15,000 people? That's yeah. a cakewalk. Yeah. We, That's a small event. But what I'm That's saying. That's nothing. The, the, the NA Fan Fest was 6,500 in comparison. That's too tiny. Yeah. I mean, That's it's still tight. a lot of people, but, you know, there are, I would say, easily 15,000, 20,000 people in the community in, in North America who want to go to FanFest. In easily. Portland, there is a comic convention. It's the second largest comic convention in the Northwest, and it is pat on the head patronizingly small at 25,000 people. Hmm. 
Like, we could go bigger. Easily. Also, there are no direct flights to Minneapolis from Narita or Haneda. My apologies. Oh, I thought there were. Nope, Maybe you have somewhere to stop else. In Orlando. Oh, well. Anyway, we kind of <laughs> waxed a little bit. Derailed. No, I mean, it, I wanted to have the discussion to see where you guys would want to have it if you, if you know, you could dream. If you were the one who was organizing it, where would you put Van- it? So Vancouver, British Columbia. Which isn't a terrible idea. Infrastructure is great. Cost of living is down. Hotels, awesome. Public transit, great. Lyft, Uber, cabs, excellent. Hotel structure, good. Convention Outs- spaces, excellent. Outside air will kill you. Vancouver, British Columbia? Oh, right. It's not that cold. No. <laughs> I was like, Vancouver, British Columbia is literally like an hour from where I'm sitting. It's fine. Yeah. It's the only issue. It's would a be very good spot. A number of people would may have issues crossing the border. Yeah. If they don't have a passport and? or an enhanced ID. And how much do you want to go to FanFest? Uh, be very careful when you start saying things like that. I mean, there are states that are offering IDs that will allow you to do land crossings. So, I mean, it's not impossible to do and not have to buy a passport. Because not everybody has a passport. I mean, I don't have a passport, but I am getting an enhanced ID, so I will be able to do land crossings. Washington State, the difference between a regular license and a enhanced one that lets you go to Canada is $10. Yeah, it's 15 here, so yeah. Ooh, baby, that's it. That's the only difference is you you put in a checkbox and you have to bring a copy of your birth certificate. We also have to go through an additional um, background check, so... It's messy. International travel is messy. No, it it is, but I mean, at least within the same continent, it makes a that makes it a bit easier versus having to buy a hundred and fifty dollar passport and then renew that every ten years too. So, yeah, I don't know. I got a passport years ago, and I've just used it for everything ever womp, since. Womp Ian show awful. enhanced. Do you upgrade it with the coin too? Well done. <laughs> I level five hundred ID. <laughs> Why would that be augmented? How many material can you put into it? Anyway, so Vancouver would be cool. Sarah, where would you want to have it? Oh, God, I don't know. I mean, part of me says San Jose just because it's easy for me to get there. And I could, like, have people come visit my house and cook things and hang out. That'd be cool. But that's just me being lazy. Uh, Traveling's expensive, and I don't get to do it very much. So I don't really have strong opinions on this. Fair enough. Like I said, Fair. I would make an argument for Minneapolis, but otherwise, if I could, if if we had to eliminate somewhere nearby us, um, I know Indianapolis has been really um, improving their uh, infrastructure when it comes to um, having different conferences and conventions. I mean, um, Gen Con is there now, and that's a pretty damn big convention. Oh, yeah. Uh, some friends of mine are, uh, they go to Gen Con every year, and I am hoping to get in with them on this upcoming one. Um, so that'll be fun. So, I mean, and it's a, a nice Midwestern town. So, I mean, it, w- it again, in middle of uh, the U.S., so, you know, it would make it easy for a lot of people. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different possibilities. Denver would be kind of neat. Ooh. Yeah, Colorado could be cool. 
I'm sure we'll get more details soon enough. Yeah. But... The only thing that would suck about Denver is the fact that the airport is way the fuck out of town. So getting from the airports to the uh, the, the site might be a little bit of an expensive pain in the ass, but anyway seattle's seattle's pretty easy airport light rail drops you off in downtown core you walk three blocks through the convention center there's hotels all around for pax soccer con and emerald city like it's not too bad but i also look at it and go this is a town where you cannot buy a cheeseburger in the downtown core for under 17 dollars and that is bananas and i don't want it i love my hometown i really truly do i don't want events here yeah I just don't. They're a mess. And there's another good plug for Minneapolis then. I mean, we have a similar infrastructure. You know, the airport's nearby the uh, Mall of America. Uh, you take a light rail downtown. Um, lots of things to do downtown. Um, things aren't terribly expensive. You can get cheap cheeseburgers. <laughs> as well as pretty good sushi and other food. Um, the convention center is huge. Um, a lot of hotels nearby, so... Just Seattle, Seattle city poverty level is 80 a year. Like that's where we're at. So like, it's not a good place for a lot of people to travel into. Fair enough. All right. So, uh, let's go ahead and put a cap on that. Then it was kind of interesting to talk about, you know, the things we would like to see on that. And I'm hoping that we get some really good news in the next live letter. Do we have a date for the next live letter? We do not. But, there w- but it will be before February. So some, probably sometime in January. Early January. I'd say mid. I mean, the mid to projected, late. The projected release date for the new patch is supposed to be the 23rd, 24th, isn't it? Uh, no, the, the, proje- the new uh, patch is going to be either February 11th or 18th. They there was mid. something coming on the uh, towards the end of this month. Yeah, that's 5.18. Okay, yeah, that's what I was referring to. Sorry. Yep. So the next live letter will be uh, part two of the patch 5.2 preview, which is going to be, it's generally a month or less from the patch release. So we're looking at mid to late January. If just my best guess, but like I said, it was fun talking about that. Now uh, let's uh, talk about something equally interesting and something that Sarah has been trying to, uh, um, get out there for you lore-loving uh, listeners. Um, what do you have for us in the Lorebrarian's Corner this week, Sarah? All right. So uh, uh, since we were talking about Amarope before, about its history and all that, and because there had been a lot of questions, so partly about the history, confused about what's going on with them, and this seemed like a good point to step back, take a review, put together all that we know, especially with what we've learned recently. So we're going to talk a little bit about Asian. There's been a lot that's been tossed around, so we're going to review what it is that we actually know, what we just suspect, and what did we just rewatch a cutscene and realize they never actually said the thing we were sure they did, and now we're kind of doubting. So... The word Asian, it comes from the Latin Asius and the Greek Askios before it. It literally means one that has no shadow. The prefix A meaning without and the root skia meaning shadow. And indeed, when we run into them in game, they frequently do not have shadows. 
in the world of uh, Final Fantasy XIV, they're also known as Paragons, and they're referred to as such by several of the Beast tribes. Uh, since uh, the Asians that we deal with are some of the most well-known and powerful citizens of Amaro, this might be a holdover name from ancient times. Or perhaps not. Now, they've been a part of the game since the very beginning. Their machinations have twisted and turned, and we've had more and more light shed on them throughout the years. Uh, it's almost certainly the case that their, the current state of their plans and their schemes was not part of the original plan. It's more something that's developed over time. So this is something where it's not a lot of this was not necessarily intended in the initial stuff, but a lot of the broad framework was there. So even before Yoshi P's arrival, in 1.0, Asians were a part of the game's storyline, though what the original plans for them might have involved, that has been lost to time. Uh, 1.0 Limsa Luminsa's opening story involves an Elizen mage, Elizen mage named Travenche, who does not, notably does not cast a shadow. And he takes a stone key from Mishtola that's said to have some connection to Seal Rock, at the time stating, power as this does not belong in the hands of your kind. These elements, uh, that stone key looks a little bit like a horn, uh, that would later make an appearance in Heaven's Word content, uh, specifically in the Alexander storyline, where that artifact does appear, and it's something that Alexander starts drawing power from, even once we've cut it off from the land. Also, during the course of the original 1.0 main story, uh, we do encounter a strange floating figure in a tattered cloak and hood with skeletal wings protruding from its back and bony hands emerging from its sleeve. That creature appears shortly after we prevent Amalja and Iksali forces from summoning primals, and it scares the two tribes away. Uh, later, the Sylphs mention that the creature is known as a Paragon, and that the Paragons are the ones who taught the Beast Tribes about summoning. So early on, we did have this image of an Asian as some type of incredibly powerful creature, not uh, like us, uh, not like our races, something that has a strange otherworldly existence, and that is doing these things to kind of sow chaos and create uh, create this uh, heightened state of uh, alarm among the beast tribes, get them summoning. That was something that was in there even from the beginning. Now, with A Realm Reborn, the Asian machinations are a bit more front and center. We have masked mages appearing at various points throughout the MSQ, and they're planting the seeds of chaos in a variety of ways. They summon a gargoyle to attack a village, uh, part of the MSQ very early on. Uh, they encourage the youth of Little Alamigo to summon Ralgar. They even capture the Sylph Elder, uh, seemingly to try to bait the Sylphs of uh, Little Solace uh, into summoning Ramu. La Habrea even possesses Thancred and uses him as a mole to strike against the science of the Seventh Dawn, before assisting Gaius in reviving the Ultima Weapon, all as part of a greater scheme to revive his god Zodiark this name being mentioned for the first time in the Praetorium. Even after the Ultima Weapon's destruction and La Habrea's exorcism, the Asians continue to encourage the Beast Tribes to summon Primals. They remark on the Warrior of Light's defeat of these Primals as furthering their plans, as when the Beast Tribes see their gods destroyed, they resummon them with greater and greater power, leading to an escalation of the conflict. 
And they make multiple remarks suggesting that their goal is not for any one side to win, but just to increase chaos, have the conflict reach a stronger and stronger pitch. Uh, we do have a disagreement among the Asians that leads one of them, Nabriales, to strike directly at the Scion's headquarters during a vulnerable moment. His hubris and impatience lead to his destruction, but not before he nearly succeeds in taking Minfilia as well as the important artifact to Simadi, uh, Louis Soir's staff. So we do see that they're not necessarily acting as a united bloc. They all are working towards this common goal, but seem to have uh, different personalities, different opinions about how best to proceed. They're not a single unified front. With Heaven's Word, uh, those Asian schemes are once again lying beneath the main conflicts, but as a result of their earlier defeats, they seem to be a little bit off-balance in making mistakes. La Habrea is assisted by Ige Yoram, who we later find that uh, she's there in part because she's screwed up so badly with the 13th. Uh, the two of them provi are providing assistance to Archbishop Thordan VII, uh, claiming that they're going to help him end the 1,000-year dragon decisive power. Uh, it seems that once again they're attempting to take this conflict and amp it up on both sides. But Thordan pulls off a stunning betrayal, uh, destroys Igeorum with white ore sight in the same manner as Nabrialis, before absorbing Lahabrea's ether outright. Uh, so we have here again a little bit about the Asians as creatures of pure ether uh, who can be uh, utterly destroyed by dispersing that ether or absorbing it for use in others. Uh, before their defeat, Lahabrea and Igyorum combine their powers as well as their literal form, using the Echo to somehow merge themselves into a single entity. Uh, this does seem to share similarities with Lahabrea's possession of Thancred, as well as Xenos's later merging with Shinryu. Uh, there's a lot of discussion of the Echo as a power that we are ignorant of its full capabilities. The fact that it's Areas between the soul seems to allow this very intimate mingling of soul and a single entity out of them with heightened powers. Now, Elidibus also brings the Warriors of Darkness from the first to the source to act as a balance to the Warrior of Light. And they also talk about trying to throw the realm into chaos, in this case because they've been told that that will be necessary to save their world. Even though that plan fails, Elidibus is able to use the Warriors of Darkness obtain the eyes of Nidhogg, which he later gifts to Ilbert for use in summoning Shinryu. So here we see a lot of that tendency towards very involved complex plans, having many things running at once, trying to like create chaos and stir things up on multiple fronts rather than focusing on a single thing seems to be a big part of how Elidibus functions. With Stormblood, the Asian involvement is actually pretty minimal during the early parts of the expansion. It comes back in the later parts in great force. After the death of Garlean Crown Prince Xenosia Galvis, Elidibus takes control of his body in order to once again amp up that Garlean conflict. Uh, he also engineers the return of former Garlean Emperor Solus Galvis, who we know better as the Assian Emmet Selk, uh, and who again talks about acting in concert. Again, at that point, he talked with in concert with them to uh, give the lie to the uh, to the various things of the primals, 
kind of playing on what Varus believes what he wants this kind of once again this idea of this long planted seed using it tending it up raising it to like a greater and greater thing of conflict now instead of worrying about going beat by beat through shadow bringers we'll just look at what we learned about the Asians there in a more structured way so uh, we do learn that in times long ago, we had an ancient and powerful people who lived in a land of peace and prosperity, with Amara as their greatest city. These people were possessed of incredible powers, able to re-sculpt their flesh and to manifest ideas and concepts in reality with a thought. A lot of their focus was on working together towards a collective good, creating an ideal society for the benefit of all of its people. Uh, we have several requests. We have a that actually explore this in greater detail. Uh, the Bureau of the Architect, for instance, is a place where citizens register concepts so that those ideas can be shared with all people. Those ideas can be shared and everyone can then turn those concepts into actualized items. Uh, some Amarotine citizens express concern that the Warrior of Light is showing off their individu individuality through their unusual clothes, rather than the robes that all Amarotines wear. Uh, the top, speaking of, uh, they speak a bit again of like being able to reshape flesh and of existing as sort of spirit that can be poured into vessel as one would pour water into a jug. And so we see that these powers of the echo that we were seeing, that this is something that's kind of shared among all people. And this ability to intermingle their souls to commune and connect directly with each other seems to contribute a lot to this sense of uh working for the community, of uh, a lot of this conflict being something that they're able to avoid uh, just because of this really unique ability to communicate connect directly with each other. Now, the people of Amaro were ruled, in as much as anyone ruled, by the Convocation of Fourteen. That's a group of citizens who had great skill in various fields. Uh, each of the names of an ASEAN that we know is actually a title of office for the convocation. For instance, the title of Emmet Selk would go to someone with surpassing skill in observing ether, uh, the last holder of the office being someone who could pick out the movement of individuals in the life stream, a skill that he demonstrates when he's rescuing Ishtola. Uh, we also have, let me get that name again, I totally had this, where'd that go? Uh, so when we were exploring Academia Anider, we had sections like uh, Halmarut, uh, who uh, there's a lot of aquariums there, the shark tanks, other stuff like that. And it was described as someone who had been involved with a lot of eth development with ether as relating to marine life. So each of those names, again, it's, or wait, no, it's Mitron who had the marine life. Halmarut was one who worked with plants. My apologies on that. But each of those, again, being more of a title of office. So the one we knew as La Habrea, uh, that has a lot more to do with the skills that he had rather than it being his actual name. There are many people who care. So we do have this society that existed when, without warning or explanation, a strange keening began. Kind of a strange cry or scream, a phenomenon that disrupted the people's control over their powers of creation. Now, some Amaro teens already made reference to this underlying phenomenon. One of them describes being in the process of imagining and creating a lion, being distracted by a bird alighting nearby, and how a major impact on the uh, thing that he created. This creation being done with a mere thought 
means that incautious thoughts can lead to unintended creations. And this keening uh, is what causes disaster writ large because we're talking about more than a momentary loss of concentration. Uh, you have dark fears and worries coursing through the minds of the people of Amarok, while at the they lose control over their powers of creation. So they're leading to uncontrolled creation of horrifying monsters. Now those monsters in turn inspire more dread and panic. Worse monsters come from that. And we very quickly have a runaway feedback loop of monsters made manifest. So the convocation of 14, the most skilled citizens, they work to find a solution to that oncoming destruction of their entire civilization. Again, not rulers this was something where all citizens were equal but since they were the ones who were the most skilled they were the ones who most had the ability to do something about it they eventually developed a desperate plan uh, that they would take the ether of the planet as a whole the entire life stream and imbue it with intelligence and a will and that would create an entity powerful enough to avert the disaster this speaks to the sheer scale of the uh that was oncoming, that they themselves could not stop it, but instead had to effectively create a god that could fix it for them. And the power that was required to uh, get, create this entity, to imbue the planet with this intelligence and will, required the lives of half of the remaining citizens of Amara. And itself suggests that they gave their lives willingly, but we have no way to be sure of this. Uh, one member of the Convocation of 14, a and refused to participate. The comments made by Emmett Selk, as well as Hythlodeus, the self-aware shade of a friend of Emmett Selk, suggest that the Warrior of Light, ourself, has some connection to this rogue member. But this is something where it's a lot of hinting and suggesting, but there's nothing explicitly stated. More than likely, uh, we're some fragment of that person, but it's not something that was explicitly confirmed yet. At any rate, they did uh, create their work, creating the entity Zodiar, an artificial god that rewrote the laws of nature in order to avert catastrophe. But even after the disaster had been stopped, the planet had been so devastated that another half of the remaining Amarotines gave their lives to summon Zodiac again in order to restore life to the world's surface, to restore the plants, animals, to bring things back survive. So we're talking about something where a massive, massive sacrifice of power, of life, three quarters, not of the entire civilization, but of those who were left at this point, giving their lives for this restoration. And those who are left, of course, having been instantly tempered by Zodiac, uh, their ether being overwhelmed and their minds being uh, aligned to it. Now, those who were opposed Zodiac and the massive sacrifice that it took, they had a lot of concerns about what Zodiac might want next, where this could lead, and they responded with the summoning of their own creation, Hydaelyn. Given the relative difference in size and of the populations that summoned them and of the ether provided, Hydaelyn was far weaker than Zodiac was, and in a head-to-head -head fight there would be no question as to who would win. 
But Heinlein's power was a lot more subtle. Emmett Selk describes it as being the power to enervate and to weaken, and Heinlein was able to defeat Zodiac by dividing its power into several portions and sealing them apart from each other. But because Zodiac was the manifestation of the planet's will and power, dividing Zodiac into pieces led to the division of the planet and all of its creatures, all of those components of the life stream, into several shards. This is the event that the Asians refer to when they talk of uh, even when we're conf when we confront uh, Hades with the light of Hydaelyn in the dying gasp, he screams that that light split the world and every life upon it, tying their god, tying Zodiac to the life stream of an entire world, meant that things that affected Zodiac ended up rippling out to affect all life upon the world, leading to this splitting. Now, the three creatures appear to have avoided this division, though we still have no real idea as to how they did it, whether it was their sheer power and force of will that allowed them to resist it, whether there was some other thing that they had done or some unusual circumstance, but Lahabrea, Elidibus, and Emmet Selk managed to avoid that division into 14 that all other life underwent. As undivided beings, they have powers beyond comprehension. They can elevate the shards of their former companions, a, a facsimile of their original power. Mm -hmm. And so those other Asians, even though each of them is a, uh, is a shattered piece of the original creatures, through the power of these unsundered Asians, they are able to wield powers far beyond what us ordinary mortals can. So since that day, those 13 members of the Convocation have worked to rejoin the Sundered Shards in hopes of restoring their god. This is a task that they refer to as the Ardor. The Ardor is the entirety of the attempts at rejoinings, uh, the building up of chaos to cause all things. All of this is covered under the Ardor, this great work. Uh, it's a word that carries kind of a bit of a connotation of passion, of devotion, which really sums up this devotion to their god, to this task, to trying to bring back the world that they'd lost. And so those are the entities that we know as the Interestingly, uh, when we talk to the Shade of Minfilia during the main scenario, she describes herself as being like an Asian in all but name, herself existing as kind of a spirit disconnected from a body, one who goes and inhabits other people, these uh, girls, uh, women who become named Minfilia, who take on these qualities. Uh, she's acting manner. So even though Asians are associated with darkness, with this type of thing, there's the underlying aspect of it that has doesn't seem to have anything to do with their status as servants of Zodiac, as those who are laboring to bring back their god, but just as a natural consequence of being kind of this essence of spirit that's avoiding returning to the life stream, that's able to break down the barriers of the soul and intermingle with others. And this is something that, again, we've seen uh, in other cases. We saw Zenos doing something similar when he merged with and took control of Shinryu. And so it's useful to separate which bits of those are specific to the Asians with this uh, their existence as uh, parts of this pre-fall um, uh, pre society, their desire to bring back the god, versus that that we see of those who are kind of these spiritual beings uh, possessed of power similar to what we have with the Echo.
And that's about what we know. Now, at this point, uh, we have eliminated uh, two of those three undivided creatures, which means that a little... Uh, if Elidibus were to be eliminated, there would be no one left who could elevate those shards up to the power of Asians. The work would essentially be forever, uh, uh, forever stopped. Uh, this is something that, of course, Emmett had severe doubts in our ability to do and mocked and teased us about. Uh, and this is something that Elidibus is now going to be that much probably either that much more careful or possibly that much more desperate because he's kind of been pushed back into a corner. There are no backups at this point. He is the sole thing standing uh, between, uh, like, it's only him that's in, standing in the way of, of complete and permanent loss of Amarot, of this history, of this important thing, this work that they've been carrying on for thousands upon thousands of years. So it's going to be interesting to see if this is something where his hand is uh, being a bit more forced, if he's going to be taking more risks, going to be trying to bring more of a confrontation to us to eliminate us, knowing that we're going to have an eye towards getting rid of him, or if it's something where he starts to become a bit more cautious, a bit more careful. But yeah. And I think that's about all I have on them at the moment, unless there's any questions that anyone has. I'll take a moment just in case the chat has any questions. But otherwise, that's about what we know about Asians right now. I think everybody was mesmerized by your uh, your story. <laughs> that happens a lot. <laughs> well, okay, now we'll go ahead and shake those sillies out and then do a round and shut them before we get out the I kind of thought I had like a fever dream for that shadowless Elizin mage from 1.0. Because <laughs> I remember it, but it was so long ago. And now yeah. it's like, oh shit, yeah, that was a thing that we did. That yeah. was cool. It was almost 10 years ago. so bad that it, I blocked out most of it, but I do remember that. Yeah, there are lots of little elements like that. That they've, uh, this was something that actually came up in discussion a, a little while ago, but there's lots of little hanging threads from 1.0 that they've uh, gone ahead and uh, taken efforts to make reference to, to integrate in. Just thinking about it because of Starlight. Of celebration. You may remember several years back, there was one where we were uh, helping out at a children's hospital ward, essentially in Ulda. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, the alchemist who the the alchemist uh, physician who's kind of the head of that was heavily involved in the alchemist storyline of 1.0, a young a boy who had a sleeping sickness that we uh, enter his thoughts through the echo his fever dreams which have gotten mixed up with a lot of famous stories and when we meet him in the present he actually does have some comments about the adventurers who helped him out and there were some extra lines from 1.0 players where he talks about wanting to talk to that person and thank them and feeling like in telling the story to you he feels like he's unburdened himself of that though he can't imagine why so it was just like a I remember that particular starlight because Emmy's connection died or something while she was in a cutscene. so when she tries to log into her hyperion character she doesn't have a place to log into and the room huh. that it would kick her back out into was an instance that was holiday exclusive so there's no room to kick her character to so she just logs into the void and she cannot actually log into her hyperion character it's been trapped in nothingness for like four years has she like tried pinging a dm 
I she feel like this is what they're for. Know, do you want to know what's funnier than that, though? <laughs> Having a trapped Nanamo cosplayer in the void of death <laughs> in the last couple of years. Okay, that in is pretty o- funny. In Ulda. In Ulda, which makes it so much better. Let me better. out! I'm the real Nanamo! That <laughs> one's a fake! I'm the real Nanamo, that one's a fake. I'm Scoot Patoot, I promise. Yeah, it's, it's... <laughs> yeah there's, there's no way. So she's like, yeah, I'm stuck. And I was like, well, you can fix that. She's like, nah. But she just is not having it at all. <laughs> like, the it. sheer value of that as a hilarious story, I think, outweighs it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Cause, cause I, you would think that, you know, <laughs> possibly a return could do something or, you know, just having a. I mean, if nothing else, probably you, like, you let the GMs know and they can probably, like, force return you to a bot. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But why? Yes. I mean, like, do- this is unique and special enough to be pretty hilarious. I mean, is it, is it legitimately nothing? Like, like the she hasn't there. tried to log in in a super long time because obviously her life is in <clears throat> almost as much chaos as mine. So she's been super busy. But like, yeah, she hasn't tried to log in in a while. But last time she did, it just went like, you cannot log into this area. And it kicked her to the title screen. We need uh, closure to this. Nah, I-, I think it's funnier this way. Mm. It's almost better. Hashtag save Nanamo. <laughs> save the real Nanamo. Oh god, do you want to create like we've already starting in Gar starting up in uh Ulda, where we have two potential pretenders to the throne and they're trying to determine which one's the real one. Hey, good news, we poisoned the wrong one, everything's fine. <laughs> you know, easy solution. Just poison both of them. Don't tell Emmy I said that. <laughs> Dear Miss Coach. <laughs> Tell her. It'd be funny. It's fair. All, All right. right. She threatens to uh, throw Maltovs at me from time to time. You deserve Seems it, good. though. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I can't argue with that. Well, th- I'm glad you're finally able to uh, talk about Asians. It's been a long time coming for this one. I want to say this. You've had this one in, up in uh, ideas for almost two months. Uh, this particular bit closer to a little under a month, but it tied in with the other stuff I discussed. So, yeah. So yeah, that's uh, was real interesting. You know, the fact that they actually took the 1.0 stuff and made it make sense in our current game. So 1.0 is not fully dead; just the actual game itself. The lore lives on. Yeah, I mean, like a lot of. A lot of stuff that we see uh, was not necessarily planned, but if you're doing good story writing, leave some details not filled in, you leave yourself a lot of places to go, and then you see what people are responding to and you go from there. You leave yourself lots of potential places to develop. And you don't fill in details if you don't need to, because maybe you'll want to change that detail a little bit later and have something that connects up and looks like you planned it all along. Like, if you're doing it right, people aren't quite sure if you planned it all along or if you're really good at improvising. That's a sweet spot. You can just say Kingdom Hearts there. Uh, do I have to? No, no you don't. <laughs> okay. All right. Pour one out for a dead franchise. What are you talking about? They're getting DLC. Pour one out <laughs> for a dead franchise. Yeah, I'm not touching this one. 
And with that, that'll do it for this episode, guys. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like, subscribe, or follow us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or whatever your preferred podcatcher is. And if possible, leave us a rating or review. Uh, it helps other people find our show and lets us know what you think. If you really dig the show, please consider subscribing here at twitch.tv slash phoenixdownradio. You can use your uh, Twitch Prime subs. Um, and if you don't use it on us, make sure you use it on somebody because it's a free sub that you get every month to uh, give to somebody that you really appreciate. Um, or uh, you, if you want to support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash phoenixdownradio, like our amazing friend Aroy Fenrir, um, like I said, that's a, another way to help support the show as well. All proceeds go towards growing the show, uh, covering some of the mundane things like uh, the hosting costs and allow us to do some fun things like giveaways and things like that. But any kind of support, whether it's emails, likes, tweets or retweets, follows, subs or donations, it's always greatly appreciated. We love interacting with you guys and the rest of the community. If you want to check out all our backlog of episodes, you can go to phoenixarmradio.com. If you have questions or a suggestion for the show, you can always email us podcast at phoenixdownradio.com or you can hit us up on Twitter at phxdnradio. Um, if you are listening to us on the podcast, join us live sometime here at twitch.tv slash phoenixdownradio. Um, and if you want to, join us out on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash phoenixdownradio. Now is the time of the show where we do those shout outs. So who wants to go first? I would like to shout out uh, Renari Lysen for winning a hundred gil. Who's our she, he, they? I don't know who you are. Uh, they are the winner of the hundred gil retweet uh, from last episode from Coupocon Port Palm. So congratulations to them. Woo, hundred gil. Yay. So make sure to DM Talas uh, after the show and uh He'll get the information he needs and get your hundred gill sent to you from the uh, bank of Mog. It's not good anywhere, but uh, for it's just not good cool. anywhere, but for an event that no longer exists. Just something really cool to have. Yep, yep. Other shout outs? Nah, not this week. Everybody that knows they're cool. Oh, wait! Quick shout out to Emmy for letting me pick on her all the time. We love you. <laughs> and how can people please get don't a hold throw Molotovs at us? Please don't throw Molotovs. You can find them at Musecast uh, at Musecast XIV on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tal's Marvelous T A L I Z Marvelous. Uh, there's a lot of anime shit posts. A lot of complaints about the legal system. Uh, occasionally, food and talk about travel. Woo, Sarah. Uh, so let's see. Shout out to uh, a couple friends of mine who invited me to randomly a bunch of seeing Alexander Savage stuff earlier, Ethereum Rithart, Magnus Aurelian, Isra Islan, and Allard Barros. Uh, we got all the mounts and uh, minions and whatnot. Weirdly, Brute Justice was the hardest one. Oh, it was great. It just like... There's a lot of mechanics you cannot just power through, and so we had to actually figure out how to handle some of them with five people, which means that it gives you different stuff than if there's eight people. But everyone was remarkably patient and game for it and had a lot of fun, so thank you for that. Uh, shout out to uh, another uh, set of friends, Limecat Indignacio, Vasha Solari, Kyle Spender, and Jacob Omadara uh, for really fun time burning through a bunch of maps, getting ourselves murdered by things, uh, 
having those doors troll us over and over. What is the point of the rainbow door trolling? Like, what is, why is that a thing? Because you can rainbow shut Jesus up. Rainbow Jesus. and Jesus! Oh my gosh. I mean, what's not fun about saying rainbow and Jesus? It's, it's okay. <laughs> uh, and yeah, uh, shout out to uh, folks in the Crucible's uh, food channel for giving me lots of encouragement. Uh, the salmon I did for the work potluck turned out really, really great. So thank you for helping me keep my head when I was panicking about how it was all going to go wrong. Uh, and yeah, you on Twitter at FFXIVSEYRR, where I, uh, that's FF14 Sayer, where I mostly post pictures of random stuff I cooked, funny things I found at the library, and occasional music. Oh man, I should post a picture of the salmon. Anyways, yes. And Hang I, on, I'm going to post that now. Why did I not do that for earlier? And I want to shout out Talas and Sarah for just being awesome co-hosts. Thank you again for joining me, even though it's only been a week since our last episode, even though we, we normally do two weeks. You guys did it awesome to get another show ready to go in uh, the shortened amount of time that we normally have. So thank you very much. Uh, shout out to everybody watching us here live at twitch.tv and listening to us out on the podcast. Really do appreciate it. Uh, and if you want to follow me, I am at phxdn underscore k-l-a-u-s-s uh, out on Twitter. Uh, my last post was actually about uh, the cranberry relish that I uh, have been messing around with. God damn, that's good stuff. I mean, literally... We post about food here, guys. We yeah. just do. But no. Yeah? Four ingredients. Cranberries, uh, tangerines, honey, and water. That's it. And it's I'm so in. good. Mm -hmm. So yeah, go check that out. If in uh, like I said, I'll share you the recipe with you sometime if you're really interested. Um, but I, I I chat about other things out there as well. Um, but thanks again for joining us, guys. For my co-hosts uh, Sarah and Talis, I'm Klaus Nightbringer. Wishing everybody a wonderful holiday season, and we will catch you just after Christmas. Take care. Phoenix Down Radio is a production of PhoenixDownRadio.com and Illusion Productions. Final Fantasy XIV and Eorzea are trademarks of Square Enix. In-game content for Phoenix Down Radio is a copyright of Square Enix. Open to music for Phoenix Down Radio is provided by Guilty Gear Rocky. Check out the Metal Chocobo theme cover and many other music videos at YouTube.com slash Guilty Gear Rocky. Closing music for this episode is provided by GuitarWanker90. Please check out their full version of Matoya's Cave and other rock video game covers at YouTube.com slash GuitarWanker90. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of Phoenix Down Radio and its hosts and do not reflect the views of Square Enix.